the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's get this party underway here at uh, CPAC 2023. This is going to be a big one today and uh, for the next few days, but the biggest ones are coming up next year. Next year will be crazy. we got a few presidential hopefuls that are going to be here uh, over the next few days. I know Nikki Haley is here. I know that uh, the former president, former President Trump, is going to be here Saturday. I will not be here. I'm leaving Saturday kind of happy about that it gets a little crazy around here when the former president shows up so uh i'll be out by the time he gets here i i saw where uh, mike pompeo is coming in and he hasn't announced yet but he's going to i'm sure he's going to be running uh for president so a lot of uh, big names jim jordan's going to be here today to speak i'd like to hear him see what he has to say about what's going on in the house judiciary we'll hear from senator bozeman today from uh, arkansas he'll join me then I'm going to get done here on the air and run over to the Dirksen uh, building and have lunch with him today. So uh, we'll see what he has to tell us there. But Christopher's with us today. Dude, is this your first CPAC? Oh, hold on. Let me get you here. Let me find you here. Now let's try you. Okay. I'm looking for you. Ah, okay. Now I got you. I can hear you now. Yeah. They said the blue knob. Well, there's <laughs> two blue knobs, and I turned the wrong one. Indeed. All right. This so is my second time at CPAC. Second time. Absolutely. When was your first? When, when was the first one? Last CPAC time? Dallas five months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the big one where the president of Hungary uh, came to speak. And, oh, Volinsky uh, was not not hung, uh, oh Hungary, not uh, Ukraine. Yeah, uh, Orban. Orban. Right. Yeah. So, no, it was it was wonderful. I I really enjoyed that CPAC, and I think that these are. This is the premier conservative event. If you are on the right and you're in America, you have to be here. Yeah, you gotta you got to check it out. I was talking to Chris about this, and typically, no matter who you talk to, you're going to find some common cause with them. Absolutely. Unlike if you go somewhere where you're going to run into the left. Because the left, they don't, they're not, they're not going to agree with you at all. Right. And at all. The most you'll find at CPAC, you'll find some filler um, infiltration agents that are here writing for Vice or some other organization. Oh, sure. And they're, they're basically just here to get Twitter clips, take out of context, and smear you. That happened in Dallas. It's probably going to happen here. Probably, actually, I'm certain it's probably even going to happen here more because these places are based here. These organizations are based here. So. Yeah. I wonder, <laughs> is Vox here? Have you seen if they're I haven't on? seen anyone yet, but I promise you we will. Oh, they'll be, they'll be here. <laughs> oh, yes. right. So why don't you tell my listeners what you're all about? I mean, you're out. You're, you're fighting a battle that a lot of people hear about, and every day they're part of it and don't even realize it. So I'm the spokesperson for a group called Color Us United, and essentially our mission is to you know, perpetuate the idea of a race-blind America. 
We do not believe that someone's identity, whether it be their skin color or whether it be anything else, defines who they are as a person. Someone's character matters more. But unfortunately, in America's institutions, there is a push, there is a move to implement, you know, identity into everything, everything, whether it be hiring, whether it be uh, policies, whether it be how they evaluate performance, in fact, performance these days and corporations like American Express is actually uh, a part of um, the DEI thing. If you do a good job at promoting diversity requirements, according to the American Express's SEC filing, you get a 15% raise. So this is just so integrated and so all-consuming. And so Colorist United was formed to be a counterbalance because groups like Black Lives Matter control the race narrative. They control the diversity narrative. And we believe that millions of Americans across the country do not buy into these ideas and that they actually do believe that who you are as a person, not who you, what you look like, not what you do in the privacy of your own barrel, who you are as a person is what matters more. And so we've been taking the fight. We took the fight to Salvation Army because Salvation Army, many may remember, actually had a curriculum out called Let's Talk About Racism. Yep. We helped expose that. We're actually the ones who got that in the media. Have they stopped it? Well, what what happened was we built up enough pressure that Kenneth Hodder, the commander of Salvation Army, he decided to pull the curriculum for further review. I'm not sure if the review is completed yet. They never say. (laughs) That's, That's basically a PR move to save face. But as far as we know... They have, but there have been independent things happening across the nation in particular chapters. Um, and, you know, the Salvation Army is an organization that has been pressured by so many different political groups over the past few decades, and none of them were able to get through. We got through. And that, I think, says something about our mission and how it resonates with people, even people in the organizations. And so now what we're doing is we're taking on wokeness in medicine. Unfortunately, in the medical field, doctors are being trained all across America to see skin color and identity and intersectionality over... Big, that's a big story yes, right now. Yes, yes, over anything else. And so what we're doing, we're, in North, we're based in North Carolina, and we're actually taking on the University of North Carolina Medical School, which is just one of many hundreds of medical schools who have been captured by the woke virus. And we're simply saying, you have to affirm that you're not going to use political ideals in your practice. You're not going to teach your medical students that political ideals mean more than being a good doctor to a patient on the basis of their individual characteristics. Now, the problem is um, there's been a top-down push at UNC for this because it came from the AEMC, the American Association of Medical Colleges. They, They help accredit, along with the AMA, they help accredit every medical college in America. Okay, so, so a lot of power there. Yeah, and so they are actually the ones who have been pushing this on colleges as part of their accreditation credentials. So if they don't do this, their accreditation could be threatened. And if that happens, then your entire institution loses credibility, viability. It's just not, not good. And so that's the excuse they've been using. And so the AMAC sent them like a list of uh, 80 or so demands, and uh, UNC um, applied, complied with almost all of them and to increase diversity in their staff. I'll give you an example. UNC has a mandatory textbook for faculty and students for first year. And in that textbook, they say that you have to view health differences as through intersectionality. You have to view them through diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can't view them through any other lens, essentially. That's what's being taught. It's no longer a theory that's just floating out there amongst a bunch of other ideas. It is being assumed to be the only true one single idea. Right. It is a totalizing idea. And what do we know about totalizing ideas? They are part and parcel to indoctrination. 
If someone's indoctrinated, that means their entire worldview is dominated by a single principle, a single system that they cannot shake from. There's a mass indoctrination attempt going on right now in medical schools around America. So what we're doing, we're going into these schools, we're finding students, we're sending letters to the deans, we are drumming up media pressure. We are, since this is a public university, there's also a political interest, a, a public interest in this, so we're going to legislators. We're doing a bunch of things just to raise awareness. We're not, all we're doing is we're asking the dean to affirm that DEI is not the path forward for doctors, that they should not be involved in politics, per se, in their personal practice. They should be involved in patient care. That's okay, all we're saying. but let me ask this question, yeah, all right? Yeah. Because there's another part of this, I mm-hmm. think, that, that is a big part of this story, mm-hmm. is that DEI has become a major part of the people getting into medical school. Yes. Instead of meritocracy, mm-hmm. now it's, it's what's your skin color, yeah. what's your political views, things yeah. of that nature. So this is a two-pronged attack here. So this is, DEI is having the same cultural effect that affirmative action had on, on, on black excellence and black achievement, and, and that effect is very simple, and it's very disastrous. It's that if there is a black person in a place of prestige or a position of power, a lot of folks will assume they got through affirmative action. That's right. DEI compounds that problem, because that's, now that's it's terrible. even more prevalent. It's, it's, a, it's, it's terrible. It's horrible, and it's, it's uh, disheartening for people like me who work really hard, who study really hard, who try to have a good grasp of the issues, who really love what America has to offer to people who have, you know, you know, have a, a, a refined creative will. It's disheartening. But this is the product of helping people, or so-called helping people yeah. with these kind of programs. Yeah, well, see, they we're losing on affirmative action. We're, everybody's getting rid of affirmative action yeah. because you, you want to be colorblind, then you got to get rid of affirmative action. Mm-hmm. I mean, MLK would have freaked out mm-hmm. over affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Cali- we're finally getting to that point now in Arkansas. We're running bill right now, Senate Bill 71, that's, that's doing this. Mm-hmm. We're getting rid of affirmative action. And I keep telling everybody, I said, well, it's about time we caught up with California on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. They got rid of it back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. They understood how stupid it was. Mm-hmm. So my question is, are we making progress against this? Insidi- yes. This is insidious. Mm-hmm. You won't even know what's going on. Yes, we're making progress. I mean, a lot of companies are abandoning, as we were talking about ESG. A lot of companies are, you know, there's a, there's a sort of counter-movement to DEI forming in the corporate, move, in the corporate world. It's slow, it's growing, but it's going to keep growing. And there's a lot of consumers who are now voting with their dollars and saying, I'm not going to send my money to a political indoctrination program. If you if you sell pizza, you should sell pizza. Forget diversity. Right on. If you make cars, you should make cars. Forget Absolutely. all the political stuff. And a lot of people are asserting that. And I think that we've seen with Disney, you know, as you mentioned, which lost a lot of money over what they've I done. I call the day yeah. that, that, that the lady who is one of the great-grandchildren of Walt Disney, who's spinning in mm-hmm. his grave about this stuff, said that 50% of their new characters would be LGBTQ+. Mm-hmm. I called them up and, and, and canceled mm-hmm. Disney+. And the lady says, well, can I ask you why? Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, and I, I told her. And she said, well, Mr. Ellsworth, let me just tell you this. You're not the only one. Mm-hmm. And they, they lost $3 billion. That's why the guy that was there is gone and Iger's back. Mm-hmm. You know, he, yes. he's back trying to right the ship. He's got a battle going on yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure how much confidence I have in him. I, well, <laughs> uh, he this, showed his 
he showed that he was willing to do those kinds of things yeah. as well. Yeah, so it, it's really unfortunate what's happened because I, 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 I was a Disney kid. I grew up on Disney. A lot of the movies, The Lion King, Mulan, you know, I, I have I have a, a, a sort of relationship with Disney, um, and it's a shame what's happened to it. Yeah, it's I can go back further than you can. <laughs> I remember Swiss Family Robinson uh, and yeah, movies like that. That's way before my yeah, time. Yeah, that's way before your time. That's when Kurt Russell was a little kid. Yeah, yeah it was um, amazing, you know, of, of where they were and where they have gone. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, I remember Spin and Marty, and now now I've got the Power Kids or whoever that Fantasia, is talking about. All the, oh, yeah, the good yeah. stuff. Yeah. The really yeah. good stuff. But uh, I, I, it's, it's saddening because... That kind of stuff I love my, my grandkids to watch because yeah. I've raised my kids. But they're raising my grandkids now, and, and they've canceled now. Yeah. They can't believe some of the stuff that's being. Did you see that piece that the Disney did where, you know, that we're all slaves? Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen oh, that. Oh, Lord have mercy. No, I haven't seen you that. you got to see that one, man. But, but they do have a multi-billion dollar diversity, equity, and inclusion program. Oh, yeah. Um, and and I, I, it's, I think it's called the Inclusive Kingdom or something. And I, I looked into that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really unfortunate because, like, Disney's target demographic is, like, 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old kids. And if you're a boy, really, you can be a princess now. Yeah. Uh, Disney's target demographic doesn't understand any of these things. They are highly impressionable. Uh, and we know that they've been, uh, animators and cartoon companies have been implementing subliminal messages in yep. pro- TV programming for years. Like, I go back and I watch something like SpongeBob today, and I see a bunch of innuendos oh, that yeah. I didn't even think of as a kid. No. But, but they had some kind of impact on my vocabulary and on how I saw things. So I think that we have to be really careful in general with whatever your kid watches from whatever era. Right. Maybe, maybe Mr. Rogers is safe. but <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Chris, stay right where you're at. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. It's Dave Ellswick's show. We're at CPAC 2023. It's great to be back here uh, at the Gaylord across the Potomac. We didn't have to go in and catch the viruses in D.C. proper, but we're right across the, 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 the river from them. I'll be back with more here in just a moment. Pack. We're, we're on the other side of the river on the Potomac. We're over in, I think we're in Maryland, aren't we? On uh, National Harbor. Yeah, this is Maryland. Uh, I, I, look, all the states just kind of crunch right yes, together here. absolutely. And, and I could walk outside and, and, and walk three blocks and be in another state, basically, is what I could be mm-hmm. doing. So the bottom line is we're not in D.C. proper, which is fine with me. Hmm. Chris is with us. Hmm. Yeah, his, his group is fighting this whole DEI thing, the diversity, equity, inclusion uh, that's been going on within uh, corporate America. Now, what's interesting about this is I read an article, and this was just yesterday, uh, and it wasn't on Fox. So, you know, don't turn me off if you're a lefty because I, I said it's from Fox. But uh, they're talking about Target and some of these other places that have spent a gazillion dollars on DEI now are not spending their money on DEI any longer, which is good. I mean, look, it used to be you could go and say you had a degree uh, in DEI, basically, because you can get those degrees now, Mm. and you could almost write your own check at some of these places. Some of these DEI coordinators are making six figures. It's amazing. I know know many of them are, actually, because that's how much the DEI industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And what do they tell you? They... They tell you, 
what's quote supposedly wrong t- with America. They tell you how to apply subversive political principles to your workplace or institution, which ends up destroying the fabric of that. Incredible. <laughs> That's what they tell you. It's, it's really incredible. <laughs> and, and the people at the top of these corporations don't realize that they're in the, they're in the crosshairs as well. Oh no! The, most of these CEOs or board members, they're just trying to look good. They just want more money, and so they want their shares to go up. And so they're basically just trying to do what they think is trendy and popular. That's why Nike sponsored Colin Kaepernick. Not because Nike has any principles. Maybe they do. I don't know. Because Nike wants money, and Black Lives Matter was pretty popular back then when he was bowing, uh, taking a knee before the flag to right. express his anger towards America. Okay, um, so we're at twenty-five <laughs> after. Okay. So I got to ask this question. Explain to my listeners, because this is probably one of the main topics that we talk about on the show. When you say DEI, that's diversity, equity, mm-hmm. inclusion. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good because most people hear equity and they think equality. Mm-hmm. Explain the difference. So I'll, I'll be very brief with that. Okay. So equality is the belief. That every human being has the same moral value. That is, that every human being, you know, provided they have not done something like murder or some atrocious crime, should be estimated and valued at the same level in the same way. That means no special legal privileges for someone on the basis of their skin color or their identity. That means, you know, no, you know, it's just you're treating people as if they all are valued the same. But Martin Equa- Luther King said, Equality, right? that's part of it. But okay. equality really is a moral statement. It's, okay. a, it's a moral statement, an outlook of on society. Now, equity says, equity begins with the presumption that the individual is not what matters in society. The group is. And so equity says throughout history there have been groups that have been disadvantaged. And we need to take resources from certain groups and distribute them to those groups that have been disadvantaged. So whereas equality is a moral statement about how everyone is morally equal, we may be different in our stature, our skills, our life experiences, but we're morally equal, which is what the country is founded upon, this idea of natural law. Equity is the idea that people are inherently disadvantaged by virtue of their skin color identity, and they need resources. So you're basically discriminatorily taking resources from one person and giving it to another person to help them. So this that's is the whole oppressor is. kind of thing. That's what, that's what equity is. It's basically the discriminatory uh, pro- appropriation of resources towards so-called oppressive, oppressed groups. That's mm-hmm. what it is. That's so, okay. you know, I'm an oppressor. I'm a white guy. Yes. So I'm, yeah. a, I'm an that's oppressor. What, that's what it is. I, and it's really simple. When you I'm put, a white supremacist. When you, <laughs> when, you put it, when you put it in those terms, people realize just how, how similar to Jim Crow it seems. It's scary. Yeah. It really is scary. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's off these work, these walks that they're doing in grade schools. Yeah, yeah, it's not concerning. The fact that you have students doing the walkouts and political stuff, and you've got there was one story I saw recently of a teacher talking about, well, not teacher, but someone in the classroom talking to a kid about how to stimulate themselves, like grade, like grade, like level, like elementary, and 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 there are people, there are adults standing around just smiling and nodding. And I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with these people? I mean, do you people have no decency? These kids don't understand this. You're taking advantage of innocent minds for your own perverse political agenda. So let me answer your question. Yeah. No. Of course, right. They have no decency. Right, of course. There's no doubt about that. Of course. You know, it's what what, what we've been watching. Okay, for people who want to get more information on this, because I know my listeners are going to be interested, where do they go? 
They can go to colorrushunited.org. That is colorrushunited.org. We have everything there. My contact information is there. Our petitions are there. Information about our campaigns are there. Everything you would need to know about organizations is there. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. So you're fighting in North Carolina right now, but, I mean, yeah. you're, you, look, this is a this this is a whole world thing. Right? Yeah, so we're fighting in North Carolina, and we intend to do more national battles as time goes on. I'm looking forward to being having you back on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for being with us today. Appreciate All right. it. All right, got to get a break in. Time to hear what uh, Bill O'Reilly has to say, so... We'll find out what Bill has for us today, and then I'll be back here. I'm at CPAC 2023. We're at the Gaylord. Uh, we're in the harbor. We're right across the, the Potomac from uh, Washington, D.C. Don't forget, coming up here in just about, oh, uh, in a, an hour, we'll have uh, Senator Bozeman on with us, and we'll be talking to him about a lot of important things as well. But right now, off we go. Here's Bill O'Reilly. All right, back with you, CPAC 2023. By the way, my thanks to uh, Joel Johnson of PI Roofing. He's the man who put up all the money necessary to fly me here, let me stay here. I had a, a bizarre breakfast this morning, but he paid for it. I had two eggs, three slices of bacon, and some hash browns and a cup of coffee, and it only sent me back $28. That's all it did, 28 bucks, And it wasn't even fresh. They had it in a, it was prepackaged. It was like going back to the future when you used to go and go to the, to the, the, the dial a meal place. Don't have those any longer. They're supposed to have went out of, out of business. Well, they were, they're alive and well here on the Potomac. We have special guests with us. Uh, Bonnick Owen is with us. Uh, the doctor is with us, and uh, he comes on from time to time. He's got a lot of great things to talk about. Let's, let's just start off uh, with COVID. Wow, we we were uh, we are uh, all a bunch of conspiracists, right, Doctor? It really did start in a Chinese lab. Uh, yes, the evidence really from the very beginning was there. It either started at the lab uh, through a uh, through a leak or uh, leaked intentionally, or it originated from an animal. Well, three years later, they've never identified the animal. Usually, in such cases. You can identify the the animal within a couple of months, and so from the very outset, uh, this had all the hallmarks of being made in the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology. Add to that the fact that the Chinese government did everything it possibly could to obstruct the investigation into this. Still well, are, still are, and they did that and are doing that for a reason. Because look at what they did. They unleashed this thing on the rest of the world, killing God knows how many uh, a million people, most of them elderly and people with uh, pre-existing conditions, uh, took no credit for it whatsoever, and uh, set an example through their lockdowns uh, that our, I hate to say this, but absolutely dreadful uh, public health establishment uh, copied with our own lockdowns, our own school closures, our own shutting down society, uh, with the exception of quote-unquote essential businesses. But if you're a business owner, your business is essential whether you have a watch repair shop or you're CEO of Walmart. That's right. And uh, so we saw a kind of a class system that was imposed on the rest of us, one that served no public health function whatsoever, but did show the ruling class how much power 
it had at its disposal as soon as you declared an emergency. And believe me, it won't stop at COVID. It's going to continue on to climate and whatever other uh, issue they can come up with. This is about who has control and who does not have control. And sadly, we, the ordinary people of the United States, are the ones who are temporarily not in power. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because you're right. Whatever the emergency at the time is, I mean, look, Emmanuel was right. Never let it, you know something like this go to waste. Uh, right. You always want to use it to your advantage, and if you're in power, that means increasing your power. And uh, the 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 whole Green New Deal is a perfect example of that, is it not? Exactly. Uh, we are told that we need to take all sorts of measures and take them urgently in order to prevent a catastrophic warming of the climate. Well, that is actually utter nonsense. Uh, climate change, the term is redundant. Climates have always changed. Ice ages have come and ice ages have gone and they will come and go again. The measures being taken to combat climate change, in this case what they will have us believe is human-caused climate change, are merely a pretext for putting more power into the hands of an increasingly small number of people, many of whom already have power and already have money. This has nothing whatsoever to do with the climate. Uh, Atmospheric levels of CO2. We are told it's something bad. Actually, that's something good. You want higher levels of CO2 because it benefits agriculture. you got 8 billion people living in the world. How are you going to feed them if you lower the atmospheric level of CO2, which will decrease crop yields around the world very predictably? Well, the answer is you can't. So what these geniuses are doing is they are setting up uh, the pre- the uh, preconditions for yet another man-made famine, which is exactly what will occur if you lower the atmospheric levels of CO2. Well, you know, the population bomb, you remember that that book. Right. And that that was gospel for so many years. He said that we were all going to be eating our dead cadavers years ago, and that hasn't happened, has Yeah, it? that was Paul Ehrlich. Yeah. The year was 1968. Uh, Mr. Ehrlich, sadly, is still among us, uh, spewing out the same nonsense that he did uh, 60 years ago. Uh, He got it absolutely wrong. uh, Every time. Every time. We we have not had a population explosion. We are actually on the verge of a population implosion with birth rates uh, in places like Japan, uh, Western Europe, uh, Korea, uh, South Korea, uh, China, and what have you, plummeting. And the real issue that people are going to have to face a generation or so from now, where are all the workers? Where are all the people? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I told you you'd like this guy. All right? <laughs> he, he talks sense that anybody who's out there who, who puts two plus two together, comes up with four, can, can tell you. That it just doesn't make sense what they're wanting to do. Let me ask you about the balloon. I want to talk about the ah, balloon yes. just for a moment. Do you think, and I've been talking to a lot of people here, that this was a, a preemptive look of, of, of what the Chinese want to do? Because I'm hearing yes. that the best way to launch an EMP attack on the United States yes. is using a balloon. Yeah, I think this was a probe on the part 
of the powers that be in Beijing. They wanted to see how we would react because this had you know, this was nothing to do with weather. Uh, this how dare was, we shoot it down? Uh, Go that's ahead. right. Uh, and they saw uh, the you know, frankly ridiculous reaction of the Biden administration, and that pleased them no end because they saw the chaos that ensued. And the Biden administration didn't even go public on this until it was forced to do so because someone in Montana looked up in the sky and saw something that shouldn't have been there. Well, look up there. There's a balloon. You know? Yes, exactly. And so that, that's exactly what they're doing. They're testing our defenses and they're testing our reactions. And they're doing it for a reason because they have other things. All right. You're mind. being called to another show. Okay. So I'm going to let you go. Thanks for All coming right. by. Thank you. Enjoy we'll see it. you again. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. All right. That tells us that we can get a break in. Let's do that. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. There's all kinds of great people here at CPAC that are looking to talk and tell you exactly some of the things that are going on in the world. We'll get to some more of them in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Back with you. Things are uh, hopping here at uh, the harbor here at the Gaylord, and uh, we'll have more guests for you coming up in the the next hour. Uh, We're going to be uh, talking with you know, uh, Senator Bozeman coming up at uh, uh, 8.35 our time, 9.35 here. But uh, he's going to have to call in. As you can probably imagine, traffic is a nightmare at this time in D.C. So it's best that he give us a call. That way we know he'll be here on time. I'm going to go have lunch with him after the show today and get uh, get some more in inside information on what's going on in uh, in washington dc well i talked about disney uh, a little bit earlier here in the show when we were talking about you know diversity equity and inclusion and disney's peter pan and wendy is now getting lambasted across social media after its first trailer came out on tuesday and uh, there were female lost boy characters let me say it again the Lost Boys are females. Uh, this goes, does this not go along with the whole gender uh, argument that's uh, out uh, and about in uh, society today? The preview of the latest live-action remake appeared to follow similar story beats of the original uh, Barry story until the characters reached the fabled Neverland. Upon coming face-to-face with the Lost Boys, Wendy commented that the kids are not just boys. But you're not all boys, Wendy remarks. So, one of the girls replied, the change to the century-old original story caught the attention of a lot of people on uh, social media who attacked it as another attempt by Disney to push inclusive politics. Let's, Let's talk about this for a moment. This is why I dropped Disney+. Plus. Because you had the head of their programming department, their animated programming department, in fact, not even their live programming department like this was, who said that 50% at least, let me put that rightly now, we'll get it correct, at least 50% of any new characters that they had were going to be LGBTQ+. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to try to you know, propagandize your children. Don't be part of it. Don't allow them to do this, and you go along with it by taking your kids to these movies. 
why would you take them to a movie that you went to see as a kid and you thought was magical and now they've changed the story uh, one person said of course they're trying to change the stories uh, I'll be uh, just need for them to take the girls out of the Lost Boys though I'm so sorry I'm all for girl power but the whole point of the Lost Boys is that they've never seen a girl before a Twitter user wrote another Twitter user made the statement looks terrible hook looks bad Tinkerbell isn't Tink and the Lost Boys became girls now the forces of light entertainment channel explained the whole point of Wendy and Tinkerbell was to include girls in the appeal of Peter Pan Lost Boys being girls is just stupid girls were already included in this world youtuber Jane Theory who have had on before uh, the Lost Boys are girls now SMH and considering the rest I'm genuinely surprised they didn't just name the film Wendy at this point quote the diversity nonsense at Disney continues Peter Pan is now Indian Tinkerbell is black the Lost Boys now have girls among them truly a reflection of uh, the UK in 1911 exactly as Barry envisioned wrote Noble Brown of course that's not the way it uh, it was the movie is set to premiere on the streaming platform Disney Plus April 28th uh, the change to the 1953 animated movie Peter Pan appeared to be the latest in a long list of reboots and sequels many from Disney that have sought to update classic films with, quote, woke themes. Well, maybe this would be like this, what was it, Strange World that they did just recently that was one of the worst-received Disney movies ever, lost money. How often have you heard Disney animation losing money? Well, they lost $3 billion last year because of this idiocy. As reported by Fox News, this likely contributed to that painful month for the Disney Corporation financially. In fe February, Disney announced a massive layoff of over 7,000 employees, along with a uh, 2.4 million subscriber loss to their streaming service. It followed a stream of box office failures, such as Lightyear and Strange World, which I was just referring to both of which promoted LGBTQ themes in their plots. So let me just tell you another one that happened here just recently was that knock at the door by M. Night. I, I said that I wouldn't go see it because the girl had two daddies. I'm not going to give money to these people that continue to uh, try to uh, indoctrinate people, and that's exactly... That's exactly what they're trying to do. Now, look, I'm not going to tell you that there, there's not been subversive themes in movies before. There have been. But not like this. Not like the way that they're doing it now to destroy, to try to destroy uh, Western civilization uh, as we know it. All right, so the senator will be on in the next hour. We'll be talking to him. Uh, I know that I've got some people that are going to be stopping by. I don't, I don't guarantee it just because I know CPAC and, uh, you know, people get hooked up with other hosts and sometimes they don't make it on time and it is just a madhouse here uh, right now. 
So uh, we're going to get ready to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll be ready to, to take things on again here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to, again, while i got a, just a few moments of free time, to uh, thank Joel Johnson from PI Roofing and Home Solutions. If you need a roof, it's a place to go. I can guarantee you that. I've proven that just in my own home. Had to have two roofs put on. They did it. They're fantastic over uh, the 23 years that I've lived there in Cabot. Uh, but now they'll help you out if you need some kind of construction done. And I'm going to use uh, PI Roofing for that as well. Uh, I'm going to have them fixed and, and uh, get my uh, deck back into to shape again. That uh, kind of shuck apart over the last uh, few years. So uh, stick around. We've got a lot more to talk about, a lot more guests that are going to be coming on, talking about a lot of important things to you. I do want to get the, there's a whole area here about uh, CCP that I want to get somebody on from to talk about the problems that we got with the communists over in China. That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Dave Ellswick Show, CPAC 2023 here in Washington, D.C., or right across the Potomac from Washington, D.C. in the Gaylord Harbor. And a great place to do this type of programming at. Uh, we'll have uh, Senator Bozeman on with us coming up at the bottom of the hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He'll join us at about, uh, oh, what are we looking at, 835? That's what we're, we're looking at right now. And I'm looking forward to talking to him. There's a lot of things to talk about. Just got an article sent to me by Kenneth Sullivan. And this is uh, an article he thought that would be interesting to us. House Bill 1365, which aims to make the unauthorized position of a catalytic converter a felony and increase penalties for the theft of a catalytic converter, passed the House with a vote of 97 to nothing. The uh, bill, sponsored by State Representative Mike Holcomb of Pine Bluff, moves to the Senate for further consideration. Holcomb presented his bill as a measure needed to address the widespread theft of catalytic converters from vehicles. Quote, probably everyone has had a neighbor or yourself or your church had a catalytic converter stolen, he said. Holcomb said lawmakers have filed more than 100 bills in nearby states related to the theft of catalytic converters. Between 2019 and 2022, catalytic converter thefts nationwide increased by 1,215%. Converters contain precious metal, including uh, ethereum, uh, palladium, platinum, which have skyrocketed in value, according to the National Insurance Crime Bureau. Uh, Holcomb said he met with uh, stakeholders, including representatives of scrap metal recycling, uh, county officials, and law enforcement officers to create the bill. Under current law, Holcomb said law enforcement officials can't take any action against a person for possessing multiple catalytic converters. If the bill were to pass, a, a person could be charged with a crime if they knowingly, quote, possess a catalytic converter that has been removed from a motor vehicle and that is not permanently marked, unquote. The measure would not apply if the person is the owner of the vehicle from which the converter was removed or possess the converter in the ordinary course of their business. 
a converter would have to be marked with the date it was removed from the vehicle and the identification number of the vehicle. The bill lists several businesses, including scrap metal recyclers, towing companies, and used automobile parts recyclers that may normally possess catalytic converters. Theft of a catalytic converter would be a Class C felony under the law. Quote, unauthorized possession of a catalytic converter would be Class C if the person has been convicted of the offense before or if the person also, quote, commits or attempts, conspires or solicits another person to commit an offense related to a catalytic converter. Otherwise, the offense would be a Class D felony under the bill. The bill would also require scrap metal recyclers to register with county sheriffs and maintain records of used catalytic converter purchases like other buyers of used catalytic converters. Good start. This is the way you, you stop this kind of crazy stuff. And let me tell you what, it's, uh, it's amazing uh, how many catalytic converters we have uh, of how uh, things uh, are, uh, are taken. I mean, you, you, you've heard it on my, my show on Thursdays when I've had Duck and Joe on. You've heard it on Saturdays during the bumper-to-bumper uh, uh, -bumper car and truck doctors about how terrible this, uh, this whole thing is. I mean, it, it's not good. It's really bad. And, it's you know, it can cost you thousands of dollars if you're a consumer that uh, you find that uh, you, uh, you go out to your car and start it up and instead of a... A little bit of a rumble. There's a big rumble, and uh, it's at that moment that you know that you've lost your uh, your catalytic converter. So uh, this is a good start at trying to get this done. I hope Holkin can get this bill through, and uh, there might be some d other things they need to add to it to be able to make it uh, uh, you know stronger. Well, hoping that Kevin McGrory is going to stop by. Uh, he's the author of a new book. He told me he'd stop by this half hour. Uh, woke up, finally putting an axe to the taproot of white supremacy and racism in America. Let me just read uh, the back of this. Today, woke uh, minions demand an end to racism and white supremacy. They assert the caricature of white, Cisgendered and patriarchy are the primary culprits for all instances of racism, white supremacy, and mis misogyny, sexism in America. Fundamentally, they say America's culture embracing toxic masculinity coupled with whiteness, privilege, are the uh, primary uh, forces that need to be undermined and ultimately destroyed. With that, Wolksters demand support for and obedience to CRT. But it would in all these assertions, what if they're false? What if there's no truth to them at all? What if you can define precisely why and how they are false narratives designed to destroy, not unify? What if you could explain the precise moment when racism, white supremacy, rampant atheism, genocide, eugenics, and sexism, misogyny, virtually all modern-day evils, were unleashed. And by whom? Would uh, wokesters listen? Would they sincerely confirm their commitment to combat racism, even if the facts are inconvenient? The aforementioned confirms 
why I've written woke up. So I'm hoping that uh, Kevin gets by here in the uh, the very near future. I'm looking forward to talking to him. He's supposed to uh, to join us and uh, spend some time talking to us about uh, what's going on in this wonderful world that we call the USA. 914, let's get a break in, take care of that, then we'll be back, finish up the first half hour, get ready for Senator Bozeman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you at CPAC 2023. It's going to be busy here uh, this year, but I'm telling you right now, this is the, pre, the, the, the preface to what's going to happen next year. Next year, this place will be crazy, absolutely nuts. Saturday, it'll be crazy because former President Trump's going to be here. But Nikki Haley's going to speak here. Uh, you've got Pompeo speaking here. Jim Jordan, who I'd love to hear what he has to say, is speaking here today. So if I happen to not be on the air and I can get over and catch what his speech is, I'd like to do that. And um, there's just about anybody who is uh, any kind of conservative is, is here with us. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Enns is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She has a group called Patriotic Students of America. You know, when I talk about uh, students getting involved, I, I always talk about Charlie Kirk and several years back when Charlie showed up here and he was brand new. And I remember going downstairs and they had their, their wares for sale and all of that. The one thing that I bought is he had a, a, a picture of Breitbart and uh, of, of Andrew screaming. Now, everybody knows Andrew and I knew each other very well. He's a great guy. Some of the things they were doing. Now, I just here recently, that started to happen again. It had happened because of COVID. Parents started seeing what was being taught in schools. However, before that happened, there were young people marching in the corridors of, of America's elementary schools in gay days. Yeah. and gay pride days yeah. why are not parents raising literal hell about this stuff i think so many parents have our culture our society has allowed people and encouraged people to be so busy so people are busy and they're tired and a lot of parents believed that their kids were being taken care of and weren't aware of those things that were happening in the classroom yeah do you think that we've also become a nation of accommodation Definitely. We are, we are following other nations who have lost their way in, in accommodation instead of being loving and kind, but still standing firm and strong to what we believe. Okay, so talk to my listeners right now and explain to them why you got involved in the fight. Well, leading up to the 2020 election, I went on a bus tour with a group of women. We went to 10 different states over the course wow. of two months. We were on the road for two months. We went to cities and cities and cities in all these different states. We ended up in D.C. a few days before the election, and we held rallies encouraging people to vote. Everywhere we went, we had the same questions, and one of those questions was, what about our kids? We can flip school boards. We can get new curriculum. We can retrain the teachers, but this will take time, and we're losing a generation. Mm -hmm. And so I had the same answer for everyone. Start patriotic clubs. Start teaching your children at all times. Let this be part of their lifestyle. And parents and grandparents were like, that's a great idea, but we don't know what to do. So as soon as the election was done, I started researching so that I could help others find good, good clubs. And I just couldn't find anything out there. So I started Patriotic Students of America. I've created club curriculum so that anyone can start a club. It's so easy. They have the information. 
and they can just get some kids together, K through 12, any age, and start teaching them about the greatness of this nation. So you're going to basically do what Johnny Appleseed did. You're going to go across America and plant, not apple trees, but conservative ideas. That's right. That's right. And, and trees that will bear good fruit that will also seed more seeds and seed more seeds. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about good fruit, doesn't it? It certainly does. All right, so let, let's talk about uh, how you're going to do that. I think that for you, the best thing that could ever happen is if every school would do school choice. Yes, school choice would be fantastic. In Arkansas right now, that's what they're arguing about, mm-hmm. big time. Mm-hmm. Sarah Sanders, come in, has been a breath of fresh air, has been a real conservative. And now they're going to make it so that you can go to whatever school you want to. I remember when Bruce Westerman, who was a state representative at the time back in 2010, came to me and said, Dave, i got a great idea. Let's let the money follow the kids. Yes. You know what, you know what happened to him back in 2010? They called him every name but his real name. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what they did. Yes. And now he's a congressman, though. So he's up in Congress fighting this, this battle. But he's excited about what's happening in Arkansas. When Arkansas passes this school change reform that we're going it's going to be fantastic we're working on that in south carolina also i live in south carolina and we are we are fighting for that but we have to actually change our constitution to allow the money to follow the student wow so we are working really hard to to get everyone on board and because um, we have a lot of Republicans, but they don't always vote. The, our legislators don't always vote in line with the Republicans. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> that was the way it was in Arkansas. You mm-hmm. know what we did? We got rid of them. That's right. We're working on that. Good. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that, 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 that you understand that has to be done. But the bottom line is to stop this insidiousness that's going on in public schools. Public schools says, well, you want to destroy us. No, I don't want to destroy you. I'm a I'm a, I'm a perfect example somebody came through the public school system however however if my child is in your school and you're teaching all this gender crap that you're teaching them and uh uh you know gay agenda stuff and all of that i don't want my money going there right so let me take the money that follows my child and i'll put it in the school that doesn't teach that but teaches reading and writing right because we need education not indoctrination that's right absolutely and we need to raise the bar for education for our students and we do that through healthy competition which is why school of choice is so important okay so how does somebody get involved with this do they just get a hold of patrioticstudents.com and go from there absolutely everything's on the website there's ways to get the curriculum there's ways to follow us on social media but everything's right there on the website patrioticstudents.com okay you tell them what's the biggest down Downfall. What's the biggest downfall for people when they try to start this? Do they try to start too big? Do they try to start too small? You know, what, what's the problem? I think the biggest downfall would be to try and um, over-organize, try to get too big. If you just start with a couple friends, we have clubs. We have grandmas starting clubs, parents starting clubs, kids starting clubs in schools. And it just starts with true grassroots movements that are going to change this world. Start with a small handful of strong people. Like Jesus had his 12. You just need a small handful to get started to do something great. All right. So starting off with that, how, how soon do you think you can start seeing a change? I think we'll see a change. Even kids that are involved in our community that have been in this club now for a year, they are already actively looking for ways to serve, looking for ways to make their community better and stronger. Are they looking for ways to question their own instructors? 
Absolutely. <laughs> and, and in a respectful way, but we need to. Yeah, but they still don't like it. That's true. But we should always <laughs> ask why until we are content with the answer. Because if you, if you can't ask your teacher what's going on, the teaches your children and they don't, and they look down on you, think what they do to your kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I understand. It's really bad with the children. Yeah. So, but if we strengthen our kids to learn to not, to not care about that, but to keep seeking truth and do it in a respectful way and to be critical thinkers, then we prepare them for adulthood. How are the public schools, you said South Carolina, mm-hmm. how are they doing? I mean, in, in, in Arkansas right now, only a third of the kids, well, over a third of the kids can't even read at grade level. We are very low. We're at the bottom of the barrel for education. It's an embarrassment. It so you're is- saying that Arkansas can say thank God for South Carolina? <laughs> because we make you look better. Because we used to say that all the time about Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, we are We are among the lowest, and, and they have lots of excuses for it, but it's all a smokescreen of just bad education. Oh, yeah, yeah. because they're not teaching That's right. reading. They're teaching gender exclusion and inclusion and whatever else right. they want and that to has no place in the education no, system. Absolutely that's not. something that parents need to teach their kids that's something that um, parents need to have control over over what their kids are processing that's not a teacher's place so do you have some good republicans that are raising their voices and and uh you know shaking the pitchfork a little bit we certainly do we have a south Car- south carolina has a freedom caucus that are working really hard throughout the state to really bring change how how well are you uh, been been received by fellow conservatives? Received well by fellow conservatives for sure. Okay. Good old boys club, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> all right. Let me remind you that you can get all this information by going to patrioticstudents.com. Patrioticstudents.com, and you can send Doctor Enns a, a message at info at patrioticstudents. Thanks so much for stopping by. She just stopped by just a moment and said, hey, what do you think? And I said, well, I had Charlie Kirk on a long time ago talking about this. Let's hope that uh, you end up being as big as his group is. Well, it's for the kids. So whether I'm known or not doesn't really matter, but it's for the kids. All right. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show today. Thank you for having me. All right. Senator Bozeman is going to join us here in a little over uh, five minutes. We'll talk to him about some of the things that are going on up at Capitol Hill. And uh, we'll continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're live at CPAC uh, doing our thing, uh, 2023, and uh, getting ready, of course, for next year, which is uh, an election year, 2024. But we've got a lot of work to do between now and uh, this time next year. A lot of of people here today. And... uh, We'll have them stop by and, and visit with us. I got some old buddies around here that do talk. We'll see if they'll not stop by and, and chew the fat with me a little on, on the air. But uh, our next guest is going to be, of course, uh, uh, Senator Bozeman. Uh, bottom of the hour, Hannity is coming up. Uh, we'll have uh, Sean give you a, a shot of Hannity this morning, and I'll be back here on 101. It needs to be uh, stated that. This is one of the fun times if you're conservative because just about everybody that's here kind of shares your 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 kind of thought you know process right. uh, that right. you that you live by. You know what's exciting, uh, uh, Senator? Arkansas is well known now around these parts. People are excited about what's going on in our state with you know Sarah being the governor, being the youngest governor in the United States, uh, being a woman. 
doing this complete remake over of uh, education in the state, having Oliva come in from Florida to be our Secretary of Education. It's an exciting time. This is totally different than I, I first got back, uh, got here, got in uh, Arkansas in 2000. Yeah, no, I agree, and, and uh, she is doing all of those things. I thought she did a really tremendous job, and it's always a difficult situation when you're the, the follow-up to the State of the Union, but she did a really very, very good job there. And I think the thing that really highlighted that was that the media didn't say anything about it, and uh, if, if she had you know, made significant gaffes or this or that, they would have been all over it. But there was just silence. Uh, conservative media, you know, did a good job of, of talking about how good, but, but conventional media just, just blew it off because oh, yeah. she did do such a good job. So, yeah, she's, she's uh, lots of good things going on in Arkansas, and the uh, delegation here is working hard, and so I think we're moving in the right direction. Well, you're doing some great work uh, yourself. You and Tom Cotton have been working together. I know you've worked with our congressman as well. Let's talk about this thing. I saw the uh, article yesterday about uh, it could be that here in our country, uh, people are figuring out all of this DEI, ESG, CRT, all the acronyms are not good for this country. And uh, you all uh, in the Senate went after ESG, did you not? We did. What they've done, Dave, is they've, they've essentially said that uh, in pension plans and things like that, that uh, they would make it such that you would be investing in, in what they considered environmentally sensitive you know, companies. Uh, so that would preclude you from investing in oil companies and things like that. When you talk to the professionals that manage these plans, and really on both sides, Democrats, Republicans, doesn't matter. They're just very good at, at managing money. Uh, they would say that was, would be a tremendous detriment to the people that are, are working hard, trying to put some money aside for retirement, you know, through their pension plans, uh, that the yield would, would, would simply be much less than if they were allowed to invest in whatever they wanted to. So these are big things. You know, 60% of Americans now are, are living paycheck to paycheck. And the idea of politicizing savings now and trying to push people in different directions is, is uh, absolutely crazy. Well, our Treasury uh, in, in Arkansas is pushing back on that. We've already yes. divested of uh, BlackRock and some other folks. And, and that's what's going If we're really going to get their attention, that's what has to happen. As a, as a senator, do you, do you talk to our uh, Treasurer about these type of things? Yeah, we've talked to a number of individuals. Uh, uh, and, and even people that give them, you know, guidance, and that's why they are pushing back. So uh, it's just everybody working together. We were able to pass this thing in the Senate yesterday. The president, uh, they passed it in the House. The president will veto it. But let's get him on record as saying, hey, I'm going to start dictating your savings patterns along with everything else. Well, you know, sometimes you lose small battles, but you win the war, and, and yeah. that's what this is all about. you got to get these people on record about what they think, and then it gets out into the general public, and they start, well, what is this ESG thing? And then they start reading about it, and right. they go, well, is my pension fund hooked up to that kind of stuff? People get no. interested at that point. Exactly, and, and I think that this is one of those things, because of uh, the great work of Arkansas and other states, 
you know, when you sue, it, it's going to wind its way through the courts. This, to me, is clearly unconstitutional. The president of the United States doesn't have that authority. Right. If Congress had come out and said that, then I, I don't even think they have that authority. But, but certainly, you know, uh, the bureaucracy of the presidency coming out with this is, is just absurd. All right. And Talking about... Go ahead. Conservative Supreme Court that we have, which we worked really hard to get installed, uh, I think we have a really good job of winning these kind of things. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because the Supreme Court the other day heard all the arguments dealing with this uh, student loan uh, payout debacle that they're talking about. And I got to tell you, the President of the United States does not, at least when I read the Constitution, does not have the right to do what uh, Biden is trying to do. That's all up to the House and the Senate. And uh, I'm glad to see that you guys are fighting him on that. And we're in the Supreme Court fighting it as well. Uh, What's your take on what happened, uh, what was the day before yesterday? Well, I think it went really well. The idea that, as you point out, Dave, that the president of the United States has the the ability to solely spend, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars without... uh, you know, any, any, really any, any consulting at all with Congress uh, is, is simply, he can't do that. And yet he did, uh, just to uh, take and uh, try and pander to part of his base. Uh, it's bad for all kinds of reasons. You know, what, what about the people that are working really hard, the mechanic that, that works every day? Nobody's, you know, helped him pay for his tools. Those that have paid their loans off. Uh, you know, no one has helped them. So uh, it's it's not fair. And then again, it's, as you point out, it's clearly unconstitutional because the, the president has tremendously overstepped his authority, which he has now on several occasions. Good news <laughs> yeah. being good news being that, that, you know, if this were not that long ago, we would have a Supreme Court that, that would split over it or, or maybe go in his direction. But with having a court now that's actually looking at, at the Constitution, looking at the laws, uh, we've got an excellent chance, I think, of winning this thing. Well, they, what's, what's the words? Sarah sent me a, a little quote. Conservative justices are skeptical. I think that's, that's an <laughs> understatement, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's, that's, a, uh, that's good. Yeah, uh, I like that. I, I agree with you. I really, I like that a lot. Well, let's talk about something that you're you're involved with because you're the number ag the number one ag guy there in the senate for the republicans if they ever can get the control of the the senate rest it from those idiots at the at uh, from the from the democrats you'll be the head of the agriculture depend, uh, department uh for the for the senate uh, let's talk about usda nutrition requirements and farm and the farm bill that's going on right now well, we got a couple things going on. We're in the process now. Every five years, the farmers, uh, we have a big uh, agricultural bill. And what this does is put in place the safety nets that our farmers need so that they can go to the bank and borrow the money that they need to continue on. We've got this, the cheapest, safest food supply of any place in, in, the, in the world. Uh, we certainly don't want to get dependent on... Uh, uh, other countries the way we have with so many things that we that we need medicines whatever uh, for a long time oil uh, we don't want to do the same thing with food so this is really important 25 percent of the economy of Arkansas 
you get outside of any town of any size, so it's probably 85 or 90 percent. So it's very important. We're working hard on it. These nutrition standards that they're trying to put into the schools, again, it's just there's no common sense, Dave. There's, they're, they are equivalent to being on the most extreme uh, heart disease diet that, that, that anybody goes on. And so, you know, it's just not, young people don't eat that way. No one eats that way. And so as a result, we have tremendous food waste. Uh, the products, you know, go up dramatically because, you know, the, the salt is so low. All of these are so low that nobody makes the products. So for lots of reasons, we're pushing back. And, and there, what we've been doing is visiting with the, uh, the men and women, uh, you know, the, primarily the women in, in, in our lunchrooms that do just such a great job of taking care of young people, but they're very upset about this, and, and so we're going to be working hard to see if we can get that stuff reversed also. Hey, do me a favor. Talk a little bit. I'm, I'm seeing here that they're even trying to, to tell us what kind of milk we can serve in our schools. No, Dave, it's, it's everything, and, and uh, you know, there's just a uh, uh, so so much of a misconception regarding uh, you know nutrition, and so um, that yeah you're exactly right you know they're trying to eliminate fat and and good fat is is we need you know you need that yeah. for your brains as, especially as they're developing as young people, and so uh, the list just goes on and on. You have the these grains that that is it's the quantity so much, people like to sit down and eat food that they recognize. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If well, you, that's true. You're going to have kids. spaghetti. You want it to look like spaghetti, and you don't need to eat spaghetti every meal. But but you know that's part of you know it's part of eating. And but, but especially kids, you know they they simply won't eat it if they don't recognize it. So you know tremendous food waste. It's just a bad deal and. And really, the the thing that I look to in these kind of things is is talking to the people that uh, provide the lunches. The other thing, Dave, that people don't think about because of the fact that you can't procure this stuff and the cost goes up, we really do a good job. There's there's a lot of uh, young people that over the weekends, you know, are, are food insecure, and so they'll pack them up, backpacks, provide food there. But if you're having to spend so much extra money just on the basic meals, you crowd out that ability. There's no money then to do these extra things that really do help people. Well, here's my suggestion in the next bill. Put in there they must serve pizza burgers once a week. You know, that's, <laughs> that's when they took, the, they took hamburger buns, put some pizza sauce on it, threw on some, uh, some browned uh, you know, beef and uh, sprinkled it with mozzarella cheese, man. Yeah, I yeah. was all in on those days. No, I, I agree. There's nothing, nothing better than the old-fashioned school lunch rolls. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Stay, stay with me. I got to get a break in, uh, Senator, and then we'll be back. We'll finish up our our discussion here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're live from, of course, CPAC. Brought to you by PI Roofing Home Solutions. Great to have them along for the ride as well. We'll be back with the senator in just a moment. Senator Bozeman is with us on the air. Senator, let, let, let me, I want to get something cleared up because a lot of people don't understand. The omnibus, the omnibus bill that went down here just a few months ago, you voted for it, 
Senator Cotton voted for it. You can't vote against it. There's too many good things in it. Yeah, there's things that you don't agree with, but people got to understand that's why the Democrats do it the way that they do it. No, I, I agree totally, Dave, and, and uh, hopefully, you know, I'm committed, Senator Cotton's committed to, to changing the process so that we don't wait till December 23rd with the backdrop of Christmas and all of this to, to get these very important things done. But, you know, you're talking about uh, when, you, when you consider defense and you consider veterans' affairs, uh, you know, benefits, health care, things like that, military construction, that's a trillion dollars. Yep. And all of those things are so, so very important. Uh, most, A lot of the defense money, a good portion of it, was just simply keeping up with inflation so that we can continue attract, to attract people in the military. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, uh, if you're a, a doctor with your nurse expenses going up tremendously, the, the people that work for you, you at the station, you know, your labor costs have gone up. And so we're, we're in a period now where we've got this tremendous inflation, much more than is actually reported. And so you have to keep up in that regard. And so we've got to figure these things out. With the interest rates going up like they are now, 30-plus trillion dollars in debt, uh, you know, every time you raise interest rates a half point or percent or whatever, uh, then you, you're tremendously increasing, uh, you know, that the the ability the inability to pay for you know just the debt itself so uh, these are big things that we've got to work out but but I just didn't feel like I, I can't talk for Senator Cotton but you can't do that on the backs of the military and veterans and things like that oh, absolutely not that's what I said that's what the Democrats are dependent upon and why they right. do it that way last question for you I think I read yesterday that the uh, the interest on the national debt now the payment of the interest alone is more than the defense budget is that true i don't know about that but but i know that that it's crept up dramatically and and as i said you know you can imagine you know one percent of of uh you know 30 trillion is 300 billion dollars and so it doesn't translate directly like that but it's it's pretty close so these, you know, it, it really is incredible. So uh, this is something that we're that we've got to get to grips with. Kevin McCarthy in the House is working hard. I support his efforts to, you know, to use every tool in the toolbox that we can, as far as uh, trying to negotiate and force Democrats into uh, helping us. And Republicans need to do the same thing: get some fiscal sanity. Okay, these so simple truths, days. I mean, you know, I know. You know, it's just we, we understand interest and, and, you know, we understand the effects of that. And you, you know, you, there's a finite amount of money. If you spend too much money, you're going to go broke. I mean, these, you know, it's like gravity. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's Econ 101, and it's exactly. amazing to me that there's so many from the other party that have no idea of what I even mean when I say Econ 101. Right. Well, Senator, we're out of time. I appreciate you joining us here. I know it was by telephone, but I can completely understand why. I'm uh, going to head over to the Dirksen building here after I get off the air, and we'll have a, we'll have a good lunch. How's that sound? Sounds great, and uh, we really look forward to it. Thanks for being here, and I think your listeners you know, really enjoy just uh, getting a different perspective uh, from people from all over the country 
and uh, and the reality is they've got the same all have the same concerns a very very overreaching federal government I'm with you. Thank you much, Senator. We'll talk to you you. here in a few hours. All right, Senator John Bozeman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Always a pleasure to sit and talk to him. See, I I just thought everybody gave him just so much gut. Well, he voted for the omnibus. What was he supposed not to do? Was he not supposed to vote for it? And we we don't, uh, you know, we don't give money to the military. We don't give money to the veterans. Uh, What would you suggest uh, to Social Security recipients? That's why the Demo- that's why elections have consequences, and when the Democrats are in charge, that's why it goes the way it does. All right, a break. I got more people going to join me here from CPAC 2023. Brought to you by PI Roofing Home Solutions. Thanks to Joel Johnson. I'll be back in a moment. All right, let's get this underway again. And nine o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Got a couple hours left. Got some good guests still coming by today. Hopefully. Uh, Reggie Littlejohn will uh, make her way by. She's a, a, a real fighter of feminism, real feminism, by the way. Women's Rights uh, Without Frontiers, founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, co-founder of the Stop Vaccine Passports ta- Task Force. You might remember when that was going on. She testified nine or ten times in front of the U.S. Congress about human rights abuses in China. She's an acclaimed international expert on China's one-child policy. Now it's called the three-child policy. Dedicated to sounding the alarm about the dangers of digital IDs, uh, which can be used as tools of mass surveillance and control, similar to the China social credit system. She's an attorney, a graduate of Yale Law School, a member of the Speaker Bureau for the Victims of Communism, she worked with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. She's an anti-totalitarian. She's an anti-globalist. So she's right in my alley, isn't she, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, I would right say so, my, Dave. That sounds... Right up my alley. I'm, I'm hoping that Reggie can come on by. She's such a, she's a truth teller, all right? There's people that come on and they're BS talkers. I mean, they know a little bit about what they're talking about, but they kind of make it up as they fly. But there's other people, and Reggie's one of them, that knows what she's talking about. And uh, we're hoping that she'll be by. They just came by a few moments ago and said, hey, Reggie's going to be here. So I, I made the phone call and said, hey, yeah, I want to get Reggie on. So we'll see if, if uh, she'll be able to stop in and, and, and talk to us today. It would be great to hear from her. Uh, eight minutes right now after 9 o'clock, uh, Little Rock time. It's 8 after 10 here in your uh, nation's capital. So they got one last less hour now in uh, today to uh, screw with you and take your money. So that's a good thing. Okay, keep that in mind, because you know whatever they're doing in Congress, uh, it has something to do with se- uh, separating you from your hard-earned, uh, hard-earned money that you make as you go to work every day. I mean, I I talked to the to the to the uh, uh, senator. Uh, True, true statement now that the whole deal dealing with uh, things as far as uh, the, 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 the national debt and uh, interest rates. Right now, the national interest rate, when we pay that, is more than our entire defense budget that we have to send people out to do, to do their, their things to 
keep our country uh, free. That's what can I tell you? That is the way that uh, that's the way that that it works. That's the way that it happens. All right, I'm, I'm sitting here. I got people that are doing hand gestures to me, and and they're pleasant hand gestures. They're not, you know, bad hand gestures. Just I just wanted to make sure that you understand that I get along with everybody that's basically around uh, around around here. So, all right, everybody's running towards me now. Everybody's wanting to talk. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing good. Why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners? Um, well, my name is Donna Carter, and I am with a nonprofit called GoingBallistic.org. Okay. I like that. Thanks. Depends on what you're going ballistic on. What are you <laughs> going? Put your headphones on so you can hear me real okay. well. So, how are things going as far as going ballistic is concerned? Oh, you're by, You're from Texas, aren't you? I am. I from would Texas. never have known by when you were talking to me. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Where in Texas? Um, well, we left the Dallas area in 20. Okay. And we moved um, to a very rural um, area about halfway between Dallas and Houston. It's called okay. Streetman. Doesn't doesn't ring a bell. I lived in Texas for years, so I I lived up in Burke Burnett. Up outside of Wichita Falls. Oh, okay. So. Well, I grew up in Waco, and I'd never heard of it either. So. Yeah, okay. There you go. That's the way it, way it goes. I go, Waco, by the way, nice city, except way too liberal for me. It it can be, yeah. yes. So it, that's Isn't that crazy? I mean, when you're talking, it's Texas. But, of course, you got, you know, the cancer of the world in Texas, Austin. Well... So Baylor, right? So Waco used yeah, to be known for true. Baylor, and um, that used to be a very conservative mindset. But I have personal friends who have saved money, sent their children there, and um, were, were horrified. Stunned. They were stunned, weren't they? Well, and even the children themselves. It, it's not just We're talking like, the SBC here. Mm-hmm. All right, Southern Baptist Convention. Yes. They're the people behind Baylor. Well. Or were. Yes, were. Okay. Were. Have they been forced out now? You know, some of those people are um, still involved. Um, I question some of the motive, but I think with the school, and so I I have a five-year-old son. Okay. So, (laughs) full disclosure, I had my my first child at 48. Wow. Yes. My husband and I had not had children, and so we did. And so I have a lot of life to draw from. I was in school a long, long time ago, and um, so we can glean from personal experience a little bit more than some of the parents out there with children that age, and um, what's happening in schools, whether it's kindergarten to, you know, college, is um, really so corrosive and um, just kind of under the radar that um, people... And thank God for COVID, uh, you, yeah. know, you know. So you could see what was going on? Yes. So we saw firsthand. And uh, so my son will start school in the fall, and I wanted to see how the sausage was made. And I started uh, subbing at our public school. And, I mean, my eyes have been opened. You know, teachers. Now you really are woke, aren't you? <laughs> I am awake. You I are sure awake, am. gotcha. I sure am. Um, and I had to get my head out of the sand. So what happened was Uvalde. Um, oh, yeah. And my brother-in-law is a retired Texas Ranger. And, and after it happened, I'm not historically political. I'm historically conservative. But 
um, I called them and was just like, what do we need to do? What, right. what can we do? And it was one of those conversations where he said, you know, it's funny you called. Ah. And it evolved into some information that I found out um, going all the way back to Columbine. Um, there were similarities in what happened in Uvalde, and it just boggled my mind that we could be repeating the same errors 32 years later. And uh, well, if you they, don't if you don't change anything, you're just going to get the same thing over and over and over again. That's right. And the thing that needs to be changed is the conversation. Yeah. Because we're talking about gun control and going around the same mountain and certain things like that. Guess what we don't talk about? Kids. Yeah. That well, should be the first thing that comes out of a mouth. Well, and so I started asking the question, if it were to happen tomorrow at my school, right, in my area, are we ready? Uh-huh. And the answer was no. I called the sheriff's department and said, do we have a rifle-resistant ballistic shield in the county? And the answer was no. <laughs> so how do you get at the shooter, right? Yeah. Well, and I know it's not going to solve all our problems, but it's going to remove an excuse. Yeah. And it's going to start focusing us on doing something now. Preparation shouldn't be political. I mean, I don't care who you vote for. You should be able to get behind getting prepared for the unthinkable. Protecting children. Is that a political thing? It is now. It is It's now. sad, but it is now. Two things that are, are just going crazy here today at CPAC. I've noticed it. About children and education and what's going on. And the other is about China. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? I have. That's the two overriding ter- things that are going on. You're here because of children, and it's good to have you here. Good to have you talking about this. Going ballistic. Tell me about what you're all about. So we provide, we're 501c3, and uh, I do actually have it, which that was a hurdle or two to jump over to get that. But um, we did it, and we provide rifle-resistant ballistic shields to rural communities. Oh, cool. And we gifted our first shield to Freestone County Sheriff's Department last week. Um, We're just a little baby ourselves, but um, they applied for the grant to get the ballistic equipment that our governor requested, you know, $50 million for be allocated for this but that was over a year ago i picked up the phone called highcom armor they got behind what we were doing gifted us our first shield and i can have another one in two weeks i mean it just goes to show you that we don't have to rely on the government for everything not only do we not have to but we shouldn't there are things we are capable of doing ourselves and so it was fifty six hundred dollars for a Titan level three, you know, with the lights and the whistles and whatever. But, um, you know, I, I thought, well, I can raise $5,600. Right. And it's, it's a lot of money and rural departments can't, they don't have the budget. Right. Um, but the day after Uvalde, it probably would have been really easy to raise that money. Oh, I, I agree. Explain what the shield does. So I don't know if you saw the footage of Uvalde, but um, so they they had already seen the perpetrator. He had a rifle, and um, he was at the back of a hallway, and so they waited at the end of that hallway for 77 minutes, I think, or something like that. Yeah, ridiculous amount of time. And and I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to say one way or the other. Like, there's there were lots of things. Like, this isn't going to solve all of our problems. Mm-hmm. But had they had what they waited on, they, they had one come, and it was a high-com armor shield. It took five rounds, and um, but they, it came from the next county. 
And so I thought, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, and, and Matt, my brother-in-law, too, he, he was like, I don't know why every first responder doesn't have one. And I thought, well, yeah. And here again, it's, it's really more of I have to do something. I'm not going to do nothing. If somebody can give me something else to do that's going to make a difference, I'll do that. But for now, I mean, this is already kind of taken on a life of its own. I'm willing to do whatever legwork is required. I want to be able to look at my son and say, Mama tried. Right. Right. Well, that's, let me, let me just say that that's what's important about what you're talking about right now, is that you tried. You did something. You didn't just sit back on your hands and do nothing. There's two, we've gone too long with, with parents not doing anything. It's, it's crazy. I can tell you when I went to elementary school, okay, now I'm, a, I'm an old geezer. I still ride a dinosaur to work, you know, all of those kinds <laughs> of things. But the bottom line is this. My parents might show up out of nowhere mm-hmm. to stick their head inside the, the classroom to see what was going on. We don't do that anymore. In fact, teachers will dissuade you against doing that. When people tell you you can't come and see what their kids are being taught, that should set off alarm bells. Well, not only that, they don't want even want you to get out of your car. Drive by any school. They want you to just let them out of the car and be right back there to pick them up. Don't even bother parking. You just keep on moving and leave your baby that's here right. with us. Yeah. And um, that's why, you know, I've said thank God for COVID because it opened our eyes. And, and so I can go ballistic about a lot of things, but and it was the border <laughs> and it was COVID and the, and the lies. And, you know, it, at some point I thought I have to do something. And, and that's the thing is you don't have to be, uh, you know, a, a senator. A senator. You don't to have do to be an elected official. You don't have to be a member of Mensa. A superintendent, yeah. a superintendent, or whatever. You can do something where you're at. Fully capable, and and they want to us to think, oh no, you have to be super special to go to a CPAC, or and that's what I love about CPAC. I mean, just the opportunity to give someone like me a voice. Um, is is just such an honor and, and such um, a motivating factor um, to to other moms or whoever it is that you know you need to be doing something and everybody's got a passion. So this time last year, just you're just a, a, a mom who decided to have a child at 48 years old. Well, that was five years ago. But okay, yeah. five years ago, <laughs> and uh, you come you come to, to CPAC. Did you ever see yourself doing something like this? No. No. I mean, I am a lifelong conservative, and um, but political, no. And it wasn't so much, um, I had my head in the sand. I really did. Well, you found out what so many people do. They say, I don't want to be involved in, in politics. But guess what? Politics will get involved with you. Well, and so I tried to get involved on the local level because I heard that's what I should do. Right. And let me tell you, those girls are mean. <laughs> You're going to make a movement called Mean Girls? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> they are. Uh, they did not want Donna's help. And wow. so. Um, Were you too conservative? You know, i just a new girl in town. Like I say, we left the Metroplex, and uh, I came to a very small county. And uh, so, you know, you've got to be able to set aside all the feelings. This is not a feelings game anymore. No. You know, and, and people are people, and we're all broken, and. 
um, but but we've got a whole lot more in common than we do um, things that aren't. All right. So if people want to know more about these shields, where do they go to? So it's goingballistic.org. And um, we have a website now and a podcast and a social media and, and all that stuff that I hear you need to get. Right. And um, we would love just to spread the word that we exist. I'd like to have a line of people calling me saying, hey, I hear you get people shields. Okay. Goingballistics.org. What's your uh, website? Is that the same? same it is. Point? Okay. It's just goingballistic.org. That's easy to remember, folks. That's not difficult. Appreciate you coming by. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for getting thank involved. You. Thank you for being here and doing what you do all the time. Yeah. It's kind of a thing I've been doing for 54 years. What can I tell you? Thanks so much for coming by. My pleasure. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. All right. Got to get a break in. Let's do that. Dave Ellswick Show live at CPAC. Brought to you by my good friends at uh, PI Roofing and Home Solutions. All right. Back at CPAC at the... Uh, Gaylord here in uh, the harbor right across the river from Washington, D.C. I refused to go all the way to Washington, D.C. I didn't want to get in- infected. So I'm, I'm over here at, uh, at the Gaylord. Great place to have CPAC. CPAC 2023. Everybody's buzzing about not 2023. They're buzzing about 2024. Mm-hmm. Aren't they? Already talking they about are. It. They are. Well, let, let's talk about why you're here. What What is your push that you're trying to get across to people. Well, March is Disability Awareness Month, and I'm a person with a disability. I'm the Senior Advisor for Able Americans at the National Center for Public Policy Research. We do disability policy from a free market limited government perspective with the idea that there needs to be a safety net, but that the government doesn't need to tell people with disabilities how to live their lives. Did you hear about these weird people that they don't have disabilities, but they want to have a disability now? Yes, yes. I mean, we're all, I'm just telling you, you all heard about, you know, the people that want to change their genders. Well, now there's people that, I'm not blind, I need to be blind, and they, they put their eyes out. Right. It's crazy. Right. Or they want to have their leg amputated. Yeah. This is, this is insane stuff. It's insane, but they think that they will have the government take care of them if they are disabled. Really? Yes. That's the idea. The idea is people will feel sorry for me and take care of me. As a person with a lifelong disability, I have spina bifida occulta with hydrocephalus. I, I know some of that. I understand right, some right. of that. Right, right. Okay, well, basically it means that my spine was malformed and I have either too much fluid in my brain or in my spinal column at any given time, and there's no balance between the two. Well, thank God your parents thought you were worth to keep alive. Well, that's what's so neat is that my parents were not people of faith when that when they found out that I was coming. Right. And my mother was very ill. She had to go to bed for most of the pregnancy, but they said they and the doctor tried to get them to do what's called a DNC and terminate oh, yeah. the pregnancy. Because he said, I can't get a heartbeat on the baby, and I'm afraid that you're going to die if we, because she had some complications. And my parents said, no, we're going to do this. And they gave me a chance. The, when I was born, I had, it was obvious that I had several complications. And uh-huh. the doctor said, she's not going to live to graduate high school. Well, my 40-year high school reunion is next year. Good job. Thank you. Prove them Thank wrong. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being born with a disability is one of the very best things that God could have allowed in my life because it's given me an innate sense about who people are. I can tell everything I need to know about a person in the first five seconds about how they treat me. You're just a normal person. Exactly. I'm a person. Yeah. I'm a person. And that's, 
you know, somebody said, well, don't you consider yourself a disabled person? I said, no, I'm a person first who happens to have a disability. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Thank you. That's Thank the way you. it's supposed to be. I, I got the giggles. I have a dear friend named Steve Groves who works at Heritage, and he said, here's what you have to know about Melissa. He said, first, she's a human being made in the image of God. Secondly, she's a follower of the risen Christ. Third, she's a happy wife. Fourth, she's an American citizen. Way down the list, she has a disability. That's good. I thought that was really neat. So I, I said, can I use that? He said, absolutely. All right, good. Well, I'm going to ask you to stick with us. All right, I'd love that. I want to talk a little bit more. Okay. But i got to get a hard break in. Uh, it's time for, let's see, we got some news coming up. Okay. All right, so let's, let's do that, and then we'll come back. Melissa Ortez is going to be with us. And uh, we're going to talk about having a disability should not define you. Absolutely. We'll do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, don't forget that uh, I'm going to have lunch today with Senator Bozeman. So sometime tomorrow when I get back on the air, I'll talk a little bit about that and see what he's saying about some of the big issues that's going on. You already heard him on the air. Now you hear all the stuff he tells me when we're not on the air. So that's coming up. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. I'm back in a moment. All right. We're back, CPAC 2023. Uh, Melissa Ortiz, you just you heard you heard her before we went to the break. She's back with us. I, I asked her to stay for another segment because what she has to tell you is very very important. Just because you might have a disability, look, I got a disability. You know, a couple of years ago they decided that I didn't need the, to- the toes on my right foot, so they amputated them. I haven't slowed down. I don't intend to slow down. That's just the way it is. And, uh, and now that I'm seeing it, you know, the whole ableism argument that a lot of people make doesn't r- resonate with me at all. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, about you particularly, what you're trying to tell people that forever, whatever reason, in God's master plan, they were born with a, with a disability, they lost a limb or whatever. You, you say there's three different ways you can be, you know, uh, found to be you know have a problem intellectually physically mentally you know developmentally yes developmentally talk a little bit about that well you can have a physical disability like paralysis or things like that or you can have an intellectual disability like dyslexia or you can have a developmental disability like um, like down syndrome okay so they're they're different categories so you, you have these different categories. Interestingly enough, I have all three. I have a physical disability, which we already talked about. I have an intellectual disability in that I've had a head injury, and I don't process things the same way that other people do. Sometimes it takes me a little longer to get something. And then I have a developmental disability in that I am, or an intellectual disability in that I am dyslexic numerically. Okay. Uh, when I started teaching school in 1994, 95. 1995, I started teaching school, and my principal came to me one day, and he said, I'm a little concerned about the grades I'm seeing. And I said, all right. And he said, you've got some kids in there that aren't, don't have great grades that I know make great grades. Turns out I was reversing all the numbers. Oh. oh. Which, bless their hearts, they were so sweet about. They, yeah. You know, nobody complained. But they said that, you know, so that's how we discovered. And I always wondered because I could never keep a check register. Cash, doing everything by cash and debit cards have been my salvation. I got you. Because I know exactly where the money's going and I always know exactly how much money I have. 
when I had a checkbook, I was not, I was laughing because other people do this, but they do it intentionally. I was writing things in like if I deposited three hundred and seventy-six dollars, I was writing in six hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Oh wow! Oh yes. And so I thought I had all this money. That could cause a problem. Yes, it can. And the bank is not real happy when you do that. I can imagine that's a problem. It is. It is. But living with a disability is a lot like living without a disability. You have to be resourceful and you have to be resilient. I think it was Teddy Roosevelt who said that getting up every time you fall is what matters most. I agree with that. And before I went to the wheelchair, I fell a lot. So I just, you know, and I started thinking, you know, that's a lot like life. I literally have to fall and get up. But figuratively, when I fail or something doesn't turn out like I think it should, I have to still get up. Then with resourcefulness, you have to figure out how to get things done. And my mother jokingly calls me the queen of creative alternative. And she would, she said that when I was a child, and I remember some of these incidences, that she would ask me to do something, I would say, well, can I do it this way? And she had to really teach me that when somebody that's in charge of you asks you to do something a certain way, you need to do it that way. Right. But being the queen of creative alternative has helped me learn how to navigate difficult circumstances. Well, that's good. Okay, so let's talk about your organization, Able Americans, is that right? Able Americans is... What what is it that you're trying to to do? I am trying to help people with disabilities have a voice in the conservative movement and trying to develop policy that helps people with disabilities be fully included in American society instead of being dependent on the government. It's a safety net when you need it. Government policies that are in place now tend to hurt people that want to be independent who have a disability. So I am doing a deep dive into all the federal programs on disabilities to see what's working and what's not and suggesting policy changes. And I'm really excited because I've already had some great success with some Senate legislation and now moving into some other things like keeping us out of U.N. treaties that aren't good for people with disabilities and things like that. Okay. Talk about that just a moment. I've got about three minutes left. Tell me about U.N. treaties that don't have you at their best thoughts. There is a treaty called the the CRPD, the Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities. I had the honor of being the person who helped kill it in 2012. Uh, Bob Corker, who is the, was at the time Senate I remember Bob Corker. Yes, well, Bob Corker was one of my very first political jobs. Besides teaching school, I also did political consulting. And he just looked at me and he said, what do I need to do about this? I said, put it in the drawer and lock it because people are reading the talking points. And on the face, it looks good. Oh, people with disabilities will have full access. Uh But what they didn't read was the fine print that people with disabilities would be appointed an international court advocate who would have more control over their medical decisions than they did. I don't know if you remember the story of baby Alfie in the UK. He was Yep. Okay. The reason that he was not allowed that his parents were not allowed to take him out of the country to get help is because of the CRPD treaty that England signed onto and his medic, his court appointed advocate had more rights over his and more control over his medical decisions than his own parents did. They could have taken care of his problem. Yes. He could have come to America where we have some of the best medical care in the world. And they were asking him for, to come yes. to America. People had already raised the money to get him here, to get the treatment, to do everything. 
um, I was on I was part of those discussions and the court appointed advocate would not allow his own parents to take him and they had to watch him die I want you to listen real closely to that kind of stuff because if it started across the pond it's trying to make its way to America it's already here oh is it here it's here um, medical aid and dying sounds like a great thing on its and compassionate choices sound like a great thing on their face and that's what they do they talk great words but the, the devil's in the details exactly exactly and you know, I went through an almost two-year battle with breast cancer and COVID at the same time oh my God. while we were going through COVID. And I noticed that they kept asking me the same set of questions every time I would check in for a treatment. And they were like, do you feel safe? Do you need help making uh-huh. other choices? And I finally just asked them, I said, are you referring to domestic violence? Because my husband is my best friend, and he would die. And, you know, you would probably die in the process. I should note that my husband was born in Brooklyn and raised in Queens. There you go. And he is very street savvy, and he would just as soon smack you down as look at you if, if you do something to hurt the love of his life, right. which is me. And they said, well, no, we were kind of talking about is the suffering, is the treatment getting to be too much? Do you need to make another choice? I said, wait a minute. Are you asking me about if I'm interested in medical aid and dying? Uh-huh. And they said, well, it is an option. I yeah, said, we don't want to say it that way. Yeah, and I said, no, it really isn't. You know what's scary about that? I'm 70. I just turned 70. Right. I'm on Medicare. Every year, I have to sit down with my physician and go through that crap. Yep, yep, yep. And because I pay my own premiums, but I'm also on Medicare because I have a disability. Sure. And... I was able to keep my Medicare coverage because I paid my own premiums, and that's the dirty little secret that nobody tells you is if you, if you go back to work and you pay your own premiums, you can keep that Medicare coverage, and it's been a godsend. When I couldn't get immediate treatment through right. other insurance, Medicare will cover it. But as resources tighten, I just wrote an article for the Washington Times about when healers become killers. And as medical resources tighten, there are these going to be these decisions. So I hear you because I have to have that same discussion this, with my doctor. This is nothing more than the logical extension of abortion on demand. Yes, That's all exactly. this is. We are, we are coming to the point. I'm, 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 uh, Francis Schaeffer used to talk about this all the time. Yes. And people told him he was crazy. Yes, they did. They, they told him that he didn't know what he was talking about. And now here we are. Here we are indeed. Now Francis is gone. He can't defend himself. No. And it is. In, um, I would love to encourage everybody to go to our website. Yes. Um, nationalcenter.org forward slash able Americans. It has links to all the writing I've done on this very issue. All right. I appreciate you coming by. Thanks so much. It's a, a, a great discussion with you. See, what you're talking about is something, for instance, talking about the whole thing of asking old people now. And i got to say, I'm old. I'm 70. All right. I'll be I 60 in a few years. I don't I feel 70, all right? No. I don't feel 70, but they tell me I'm old. So here's the key. They meet with me once a year, and they ask me, do you have a living will? Do you have this? Do you have that? What, what do you want to do about medical care and, and all the different things? Folks, if you're my age, get ready. It's coming. Absolutely it is. It's coming. I appreciate you coming and joining us. Thank you so much. And March is Disability Awareness Month, and I'd love to talk further with you later about that. All right, Melissa. Take thank you care. so much. Appreciate you. I know you got other interviews to do. i got to get a break in. Let's do that. Then we'll be back here at CPAC 2023, Dave Ellswick Show. Brought to you by PI Roofing and Home Solutions.
so uh, we got a little bit of time to talk here. But I'm being told that it's going to be a bloodbath over the education on the House floor uh, today at 1 p.m. Uh, Heather, uh, of course, Beach, Heather Beach, quote, stirred the Democrats up with their testimony and committee on the past Tuesday. Vivian Flowers and Ashley Hudson will be trying to divert the conversation on education to it's a gun problem. Keep that in mind and not an education problem. They're going to attempt to uh, label Heather as being a racist because she, she talked uh, how violent crimes in Little Rock and Pine Bluff are tied to the public education system in those cities. And uh, Heather, who has been a, a staunch uh, uh, appearance on my show along with uh, Missy Bosch, uh, know what the stats are for the reading levels, graduation rates, the truancy levels uh, for the state, the level of drug use, and the reported violence in the public schools. It's not a gun problem, folks. It's, it's a problem with people not being able to read. It's a problem with drugs in our schools. It's a, a problem when you're looking at kids not even showing up for school and why something isn't being done about that. There's all kinds of problems as far as education. It's not because of uh, we're going to make it possible for parents and children to go to the schools of their choice. It's, it's because of the school uh, system uh, that we're stuck with right now, uh, dealing with this kind of stuff. I mean, look, we've been doing this for a hundred and odd years, this whole public education thing, exactly the same way that we're talking. Uh, and have been talking about for a long time. But now, uh, you know, we're reaping what we've sowed over all of these years. Could it have been, and I know this is a big thing to ask of people for you to think about, could it have been that we did this the wrong way? Now, if you're doing something the wrong way, if what you're doing is not giving you the results that you desire, then what does that mean? Well, it's real, real, real simple. It means you got to do something else. You got to change course. You got to turn around and go back, maybe to some things you used to do, to make sure that the things that you are doing will get you to the place that you want to go. Where do we want to get as a state? Here in uh, in Arkansas very simple we want to get to a state where the majority of children can read we get we want to get to the place where the majority of children uh, have learned how to add subtract divide and multiply we want to get to the place where the average child has a chance and right now in Arkansas when you look at some of these school systems the average kid doesn't have a chance. There's a reason why 85% of people who are locked up and incarcerated can't read. There's a reason for that. Social promotion. That's one of them where the kid may not uh, be able to even read at a third grade level, but he's in the, in the, 12th, the 12th grade and he's supposed to go on now and uh, and do and 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 do more well 
it's not going to work. I'm just telling you, it, it's not going to work uh, that way. And it's proven itself that it's not working. So call your state representative and tell them to get behind school choice. Don't let the, the bureaucrats, or as I call them, the bureau rats, uh, you know, take from you what you you need. Uh, you you don't want to to uh, to do. You know, we want our children to learn. We want our children to be educated. We want our children to be productive members of uh, society. We want our children to be able to succeed. And that only will work if, only work if we're willing to make the hard choices and get in and do the things that need to be done. Look, Olivia has come in. He's telling us how it has to, how it needs to be done uh, over in the education department. We've got a governor that's uh, begging the people of Arkansas to make the necessary moves. This is not the time to be listening to flowers and be listening to these people who have been in control for years and years and years and have failed miserably. They have failed. Is there something about that people don't understand? They have failed. There is a reason why their party is just a minuscule shadow of what they used to be in the in the state legislature when i first got here they lorded over all of us not anymore they told us the way things had to be done and they didn't work well now it's time to do it the way we know will help us succeed this has been passed in state after state you've heard people sitting here and talking to me today and saying what states they're from and they're working on uh, you know, school choice. They're trying to do it. It needs to be done. The, ter- the time for turning back is not now. To all my fellow Republicans, you must fight. You must stand up and say what you believe. You must call your state rep. You must call your state senator. You must let them know you will not forgive them if they don't take this opportunity to do what is right. It's part of our platform. It's written out in black and white. Education is important. Right here at CPAC, I mentioned it just a few moments ago, there's two issues that are overriding issues. The first one is saving our children in education. To get the uh, you know, the transgenderism, to get the uh, LGBTQ teachings, to get the CRT, to get all the other crap that they're trying to teach instead of teaching reading, writing, arithmetic out of our education system. I'm with Olivia. I, you know, Olivia said this to me in my interview a few weeks ago. He's, I asked him about CRT. I asked him about you know, DEI and all of that. And he said, you know, we can teach that kind of stuff after our children can read. And he's exactly right. That is the point. It's about the kids. It's not about the superintendents. It's not about the principals. It's not about even uh, state reps and state senators. It's about the children. 
and they need to do what's right for the children. All right, I get off of my uh, peach box now. I'm I'm adamant about this. Look, I've been I've been fighting this for 20 years. We're at the cusp of winning. Don't snatch victory or or defeat from the jaws of victory. Don't do it. Don't let them say, well, you know, in Japan, they got three teachers in a classroom. Don't buy it. I'm just, don't buy it. All right. I need to get out of here. I'll be back in the next hour. I'll take another couple of blood pressure pills. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, live at CPAC, brought to you by uh, PI Roofing and, uh, you know, Home Solutions, right here on 101.1 FM. The end. People come out. Christopher just came by. Good to see him again. So uh, we'll get him on maybe uh, later on in this last hour. Give him five or ten minutes on here. We, we've got a special guest with us right now. Here's somebody who worked in the Trump administration. How many years, Roma? How many years? All four years. All four. Plus the 2016 campaign. Oh, the 2016 campaign. Right out of Trump Tower, baby. She knows. All right, listen to me now. She knows our governor. She worked with our governor. If she's, if our governor is listening, I've got one of your peeps here with me, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. The great Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She's great. She's, you know what? She is the governor I've been waiting for. I've been in Arkansas since 2000, and we've been hammering and foraging. And uh, when I got there, we had we had four state representatives in the state uh, house. We had one uh, senator in, in the Senate. Now we have a supermajority in both. Uh, we had no uh, conservatives as far as our conservative offices went. Now we control wow. all of them. We have every one of them. And uh, the, the best compliment, compliment, I think, that Arkansas has been paid over the last few months was the night that Ron DeSantis just blew apart Florida with that 20-point win. And uh, Brett Baer said, Florida now is as red as Arkansas. Isn't that a great compliment? Well, you've got to love that. And I'm going to keep my uh, prayers tight and my fingers crossed that one day California, my home state, will have the same outcome you that used Florida to be. had. We did. When Reagan was governor, you were. Reagan. And, you know, one of my favorite things... One of my um, my biggest arguments that I have with a dear friend, Larry Kudlow, is Good going Larry. back and forth. Yep, the great, the great Larry Kudlow. We go back and forth, and he just will rack on me until the day we both go into the <laughs> ground because I will not give up on California. Okay. I love the state. It's my home state. And he did live there at some point as well. It's just turned so woke. It really has everything from the open border to the education system to the rising crime, the homelessness, which, may I mention, are all related, right? Yeah, right. But one thing that I like to point out is what we were just talking about, Ronald Reagan. It wasn't that long ago that California was a red state, that it it had some sense of sanity. Yes, a bright red state. And it is a beautiful place. And there is so much that it has to offer 
I mean, our great speaker, Kevin McCarthy, hails from the state of California, just like me. So there is, I would say, some hope there. Yes. We do have some sense of sanity. It lingers somewhere between the massive cities of San Francisco and Los Angeles and San Diego. Between those cities, you find farmland. You find small You find conservative businesses. people. Exactly. That's true. You find conservatives. And, and the San so Joaquin Valley is pretty doggone conservative. It is. And Orange County, my home county, bright red. Let me tell you, that is flaming hot. The cities of Huntington Beach, Newport Beach, Laguna Beach. I mean, those people understand what it means to be a small business owner, have family values, have conservative rights in their communities, in their schools. We were just speaking during the break about the education system and yep. why it's so important. And I grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of every school day in class. We would stand up, we would put our hand over our heart, and we as a class would join in saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Why don't we do that anymore? Because Nowhere Jerry in Brown became governor of the state of California. Oy vey, who's worse, Jerry <laughs> Brown or Gavin Newsom? Newsom's worse than Brown. <laughs> All right, Brown was bad. Governor Moonbeam was bad. Yeah. But I got to Newsom, that boy is out in outer space somewhere. Yep. So if we can turn Florida around, you know, God willing, we can turn California around. Look at Arkansas. I mean, your listeners are living in a tremendous time right yep. now where there is conservative rights across all lines of your government at the state level, which is so amazing. How safe must those families feel? Well, we feel safe, but... The, 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 the Republicans are going to make us safer as far as the crime because the cities, for whatever reason, are still run by Democrats. And they have made those areas way unsafe. Murder rates are through the ceiling. Mm -hmm. I will say this. There is a turn coming in America. And for those that don't pay attention to state-by-state -state politics, let me point out one very interesting thing that happened just a couple days ago. Okay. In the city of Chicago. They got rid of uh, Beetlejuice. They did. That's Lori, who I, that's Lori who I, Lightfoot <laughs> is bye-bye-bye. Thank God she for that. no longer. And that city, the city of Chicago, a beautiful place... Really beautiful place, a terrifying place, right? Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. I'm going back in April. Uh, my son-in-law is taking me to Wrigley Field. I'm going to go see my Cubs play. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that. And we're going, I'm going to take them to natural history and science and industry and the Shedd Aquarium and all those places they wouldn't know and to I'm go. And I'm sure you could go on and on yes, about I all could. of the amazing places and history that that city has but to But I want offer. to visit. I don't want to live there. Exactly. But... I hear rumors, and I, and I can't confirm this, so do your own research, listeners, but I hear rumors that the gentleman, whose name is escaping me at the moment, but the gentleman who won the most votes in this runoff yes. in Chicago used to be a conservative his whole life. So... I'm, I don't, you know, I don't. So is he a Manchurian candidate? I think he might be a conservative, <laughs> you know, disguised in a blue suit. Let's not right? say that too so, loud. All right. right. So, so we won't confirm it. But I, you know, he has, um, he has the endorsement of the Fraternal Order of Pol right. Police in Chicago. That tells you uh, that that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. For, and, for and Lori Lightfoot, matter. let me just remind you, it's been 40 years 
since a, a, a mayor hasn't been reelected. It's been since Jane Byrne, and I lived in Chicago when Jane Byrne was mayor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, yeah, I can, and she didn't deserve to go. You know what Jane Byrne's unforgivable sin was? She didn't get the streets plowed after a snowstorm one time. Oh, well, D.C., I, I wish that that was a rule here. We'd have Bowser out in no time. <laughs> These streets are like a, a ski slope when it snows in this town. It, it, it's in a blue moon. Once in a blue moon, it happens. But let me tell you, you do can, not get you, on those roads. I, I swear to you, you <laughs> can go back and look up Jane Byrne. And her, her main sin was that they had a snowstorm about eight inches. And they didn't get out and plow the streets quick enough. And because of that, the people voted her out. Wow. And I think it was Washington after her. I can't remember. I think he may come in after her. What a what a fall off that was. All right, 14 minutes after 11. Let's get a, a quick break in. Uh, Roma and I are going to go until the bottom of the hour. We're going to sit here and we're going to talk politics. You're going to love it. Stick Live with from us. CPAC. Yeah, we're at CPAC. <laughs> Brought to you by PI Roofing and Home Solutions on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back. All right. We're back at CPAC. We were at the Gaylord doing our thing. Brought to you by PI Roofing and Home Solutions. I'm Dave Ellswick. Roma's with us. She's going to be with us for the rest of this, uh, this half hour. But let's talk a little bit about school choice. Is it a not amazing to you? I could have brought up the topic of school choice 10 years ago. And most people would say, oh, no, we don't need school choice. Public education, even though public education was failing us uh, miserably. Now, after COVID and parents saw what was being taught in their children's classroom, it's school choice. Yes, let's do school choice. I mean, there, I mean, it's been a day and night difference. And DeVos had a lot to do with that as well. She did. You know, school choice has become such a major issue over the last three years. And huge COVID, you know, we were talking is truly was a plague, a biblical styled plague on the nation, really on the world. But the one good thing that I will say came out of it is that it opened the eyes of parents across America, what their children were being taught in school, what they weren't being taught in school and how they really need to be involved. You can't just blindly send your kids off for eight Thank hours you. a day. Thank you. Have them come home and think that they'll be the same person that they were when they left in the morning. I mean, you really have to take an active role in your children's lives. Being a parent is a full-time job. I'm not one yet, but I have many friends in California who, through COVID, had to move their children from one school to another because of the lockdowns. I mean, that in and of itself is such a huge part of school choice. Having the liberty and the right to say, I want my child in a classroom every day. I don't want them sitting in front of a computer screen. They do that enough on the Instagram and TikTok and all social media. So school choice, I think, was a really fundamental right for the American people. It's something that we're still fighting for today. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a deciding factor for a lot of the American voters come presidential race. It better be. Here's here's my key. I, I like to know why parents, why alarm bells don't go off when teachers tell you and administrators tell you 
our classrooms are closed to you. You can't come in and watch us teach. You, you, would, you would cause a disruption uh, in the teaching that's going on. And you know what? When somebody says you should stay out, that's when you adamantly must demand that you come in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only time where uh, a parent doesn't need to be literally on the field is if it's a coach teaching your son football, right? I, I like would agree with that. They, they don't need to be doing that. I think the mom can sit on the sideline and cheer for her son. But in the classroom, that's a different story. This is really serious. You're talking about history that they're learning. You're talking about uh, different varieties of mathematics that they're being taught. I mean, really basic things that are going to impact the rest of their life. You leave the private school system, the public school system, and you make a decision as a young adult at the age of 17 sometimes, not even 18 years old. You know, people are graduating high school. I graduated high school at 17 myself. Good job. And, you know, you have to make that choice. Do I want to go to college? Do I want to go to trade school? Do I want to pursue a professional sports program? You know, I had a, a really a, a wonderful decision that I made as an individual to graduate high school early and pursue my passion of classical ballet. I did that professionally. Cool. I retired early. I went back to college. You know, there are so many paths in America. That's why you have people fighting and dying to get here. Because you come here and the paths are endless. It's not one size fits all. And that's what the left is trying to tell you. You have to do this. You have to do that. You do not. This is America, the land of the free, and you get to make a decision. Which brings us back to school choice. That's I right. mean, it's all relative. Ab- absolutely. It's, you're exactly right. But I, I just don't understand. I, I've had parents say, do you know that they're teaching blank? And I said, where have you been? You know, where you been? Did you not look at your daughter or your son's uh, math problems? Sarah has two daddies. Daddy one makes this amount of money. Daddy two makes that amount. What do you think that's all about? Yeah, what's really troublesome is some of the really severe legal cases that we've seen over the last couple years where uh, little girls and little boys are going into the opposite restrooms at school. And there are, there are, unfortunately, and, and, you know, you have a PG-13 audience here, but I'm going to use the word because it matters. There are instances of rape on campus, in schools, because little boys and little girls are going into the wrong restrooms. Let's look at Virginia, all right? Virginia had this problem, and uh, this one boy who was identifying as a girl was in the girl's restroom, and she raped a young lady. Well, what did the what did the administration do? They moved him to a different school, didn't tell him anything about what happened, and the boy raped another girl. Mm-hmm. That's criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that story was circulating uh, during the time that now Governor Glenn Youngkin yep. was running for office, and you know I'm of the mind that it had a large part to do with why so many parents came out and voted based off of their children's safety, their children's education, their children's well-being at the end of the day. There's really nothing more important. When you think about a young person's life, you go to school, graduate high school, maybe you go to college, maybe you join the military, you get married, hopefully, God willing, and then you have some babies. Well, then you buy a house, right? That's the next step. 
what do you think of when you buy a house? Well, I want to be in a good school district. Yep. I want to be in a safe neighborhood. Why? For your kids. I mean, everything we do is for our children. It's for the youth. It's for the future generations. That's why CPAC is so critical because, like you said, we are here talking about the issues. But you look around How at many the young attendees. young people do you see, huh? You want to see kids in high school. You want to see people in college. You want to be in a position where you're looking around and you're, you know, we are educating the youth right now. We are informing them on issues that are probably not being talked about in school. So places like CPAC are really so important for the future. Going out, hearing new opinions, hearing new voices. I mean, if you are not a conservative, come to CPAC. This is the place where you should be. I honestly hope that CPAC is a place where liberals feel welcome. Because at the end of the day, the only way to grow the movement, the conservative movement, is to speak to others. We cannot, it is just as the Lord Jesus said, you cannot only speak to your congregation. You have to exit the doors of the church and talk to your community. So if we are not talking to our neighbors, we are not talking to our fellow classmates' parents, you know, your children's classmates' parents, you have to speak to people that are not like-minded with you. Have that conversation. Have it be civil. Be able to have a conversation with someone that you don't agree with because nine times out of ten, there will be a light bulb that goes off. Why? The conservative movement is based on values that are ingrained in your being as a human, whether you try to ignore it or not. You will fall back to the basic strength and conservative values that are in you when you are born. So when are you going to go into talk radio? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would love to. That I could was talk a nice run day. just then. I, would, I could talk. I'll ask my mother. That was good. I was very quiet as a young girl until I turned six, and then she said I just haven't shut up since. <laughs> so, you, so you tell me, what, what got you into politics? Donald J. Trump. All right. What was it about Trump that, that rung a bell for you, so to speak? So I'll rewind a little bit. I told your viewers earlier that I was a professional classical ballet dancer. Yes. After that, I went to film school, and I pursued a degree in television broadcast journalism there you go so i was in southern california working in tiny little city also known as hollywood and i had a lot of interactions at places like e-news and entertainment tonight and ryan seacrest studios these places where you know the liberal movement is very much alive and celebrities are very much part of this cult think movement and um you know i was at a point where my career was developing in one direction and I thought what does my work in this environment bring to the public? Am I adding value to the public by participating in these conversations in these events? And the answer was no. And but, I moved... So you had to make up your mind whether you wanted to report on Amber Heard and Johnny Depp or you wanted right. to talk about something serious. <laughs> well that 
that one's a little bit serious, right? That one, uh, that one has a degree of seriousness to it. But at the end of the day, the, the celebrities, I mean, going to an Oscars party when I'm 21 and being told, okay, Roma, we need to know what is Justin Bieber wearing? Did he talk to anyone while he was there? And who did he leave with? <laughs> These are not life-changing issues. For some people, they are. Well, for, they they should read their Bible a little bit uh, more then. That's not a life-changing issue. Wrong. So I made the decision. I moved to New York City. I thought, let me get involved in some serious news. But unfortunately, the serious news was full of lies. Yeah, and it's hard it to was, find. you know, God's will. The timing was right. Donald Trump was speaking all the time about how you need to be able to trust, you know, what you're hearing and seeing and no no more fake news. And, you know, I thought, I'm going to work on his team. So I applied, got a job in Trump Tower, worked on his presidential campaign in 2016, and the rest is history. All right. We got to take a break. You're very good at reading hand signals. She figured out that I <laughs> needed to take a break. She did very, didn't she did, she did great. Can you stick around for one more segment? Sure can. All right. We'll be back. More Dave Ellswick Show. All right. CPAC 2023. Jim Jordan just got done talking a few minutes ago. Had some people tell me he was fantastic. I wish I could have heard him, but I'm out here talking to you. But that's okay. I enjoy talking to you. But I'd like to hear what Jim Jordan had to say. had to go back and watch uh, YouTube and catch his speech and see what he had to say. But uh, a lot of people are going to be here. Uh, I don't know when uh, we're going to hear. I think tomorrow uh, Pompeo is going to be here. That would be fun to hear what he has to say. And Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley is going to be here. You know, Nikki Haley, who is over over the hill because she's 51 years old. (laughs) I have to laugh at that kind of crazy crap from these people. But anyway, yeah, she's she's a real power player. You know, they go, well, she's only 7%, Dave. I said, right now, give her some time. Let her get out and get her message going. She's a smart woman, man. I like her a lot. I've liked her for a long time. And when she was governor, I liked her. But when she was at uh, at uh, the United Nations, she was great. She was good. She was almost as good as Adley Stevenson was at times. Telling Mr. Khrushchev to sit down. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. All right, so well, let's go. I'm, I don't want to talk about uh, the past with you. Let's talk about the future with you. What, what's the future look like for you now? You don't want to be an entertainment reporter. Let me say to that, thank God. I'm glad to hear that you're not going to do that. But to be a, to be a journalist now, you've got to be an advocacy journalist. You can't be an objective journalist the way you're supposed to be. Sure. Well, I think journalism for the American people can be quite confusing because it's a very convoluted industry these days. Yeah, that's an understatement. One thing that is very specific to the digital era that we're living in is that the newspaper is now on your phone, right? You read the news in a digital fashion no matter what outlet you get it from. And one thing that is very unique is that folks are not realizing most of the time they're in the opinion section. When you, back in the day, you read a paper newspaper, the front of it is the news, you flip through, there's sports, there's entertainment, and then very large letters at the top, opinion. Yeah, that's and right. that's where you go to hear different experiences that folks have had amongst different industries. And it was very clear, this is based off of fact, but this is an opinion. And now you're scrolling through so many articles, so many tweets, 
so many posts on Instagram, videos on TikTok where people are getting news these days. You know, Gen Z gets their news on TikTok. That's scary. It is, but it's a fact. And so you have to realize most of what people are hearing is no longer specifically hard news. Nope. It is opinion. Yes. And so that is a very, very unique distinction from the era that we're in right now, the digital era, versus 15 years ago. Not that long ago, 15 years ago, we were not in that era. There was a very clear understanding when you were reading something that was mm, maybe tweaked a little bit. And that's fine. I think you and I agree opinions are important. But not in a news story. It helps us grow as a society. (laughs) Right, but not in a news story. So you've got to pay attention. You really do. It is up to every individual in America to understand what they are reading and read everything. Look at everything. That's an important part. I want to jump on that because, look, you can read, you know, Ben Shapiro stuff. Yep. You can sit down and read Fox every day or whatever it is you want to read. But get out of your bubble yep. and hear what the other side is doing. You'll know when you run into it because you'll be going, I don't get what they're trying to tell me here. It sure doesn't go along with what I know. That's when you know you're not in your bubble. But you got to know what your enemy's talking about to yep. be able to, to circumvent it. So I joined the Trump campaign in 2016. Right. I ended up moving to D.C. when he won. God bless. And worked for his administration all four years. I started at the Small Business Administration under Linda McMahon, one of the greatest entrepreneurs America has ever had. I mean, that woman is truly remarkable. Did Triple H ever stop by? (laughs) I wish. (laughs) That would have been something. And she taught me so much. I mean, I could go on and on about the lessons I learned from her just being at her hip for a year and a half the stories that she told me the way that she run um, she would run a meeting the way that she would communicate with the entire agency you know 4,000 person agency went from staff being at a level of disappointment that the the agency had never seen to being at a level of happiness and fulfillment that the, the agency had never seen yeah. I mean she gone took back it. to the, the previous way mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm And so she was a a tremendous leader. I then moved to the White House Communications Office and worked with your great governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and a few of her tremendous staff, uh, Judd Deere, Alexa Henning, the list goes on, uh, Vu Ritchie. She really stole a lot of our good ones here from the swamp and brought them down there with her. No, No hard feelings. Miss you guys. But, um, you know, now we are in a time where Joe Biden is in office, unfortunately, and I am still here in D.C. in the swamp. And I've decided to, you know, keep up the fight because that is what we have to do. So I'm working uh, on my own. I have my own PR agency, Dharavi Strategies, and I will work with a variety of industries. It's not just all politics because, right, we have to talk to everybody, yeah. just like you said. you got to read all the news and you got to talk to all your neighbors. It's the only way we're going to change minds in America, hearts and minds. But it's been a really, really amazing experience these last two years for me, and I've been able to speak on my experience under the Trump administration 
talking to different news outlets across the board and really just continuing the message that Donald Trump started uh, seven years ago now. All right. So let me say this. That was then. This is now. I keep reminding people, you know, I, I was a I support Trump. I got I got a cutout of him standing in my studio. All right. <laughs> He's, he was the man. But I also have a cutout of Ronald Reagan. Yes. And I'm a Reaganite, have always been a Reaganite, always will be a Reaganite. But the bottom line is there's, there's things that we're going to have to do. We're going to have to move on in the Republican Party and, and do great things. And we've got some great people to, to do those things. Does that mean that I'm off the Trump wagon? No, that's not what I'm saying. Now, if I think that he's still the best candidate out there, yeah. I can tell you when he ran the first time, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt he was the best candidate out there. Now, people that listen to his message have inculcated it in themselves, and uh, we've got we've got other choices that we've got to look at. Well, I'll say this: 2020 was a very difficult time. We were um, in a in a really terrible place. as a nation, uh, dealing with COVID, dealing with the Black Lives Matter riots. I mean, I looked out my window of my office at the White House and I could see rioters from my desk. I could see the brave Secret Service agents and police officers in their riot gear defending, um, you know, the White House, defending the president, defending, um, you know, the nation really is what they were doing. And it was a very difficult time. Looking forward... From that place, very difficult place, no matter who was in office at that time, would have been uh, a real struggle. And I think what Donald Trump was able to do during his first term was extraordinary. The trade agreements, the peace deals. And I'm excited to see what he's going to say this weekend at CPAC. I think his speech is going to have a very positive message. It will be forward-looking. It will talk about his agenda that he plans to pursue in his second term. And it will not reflect on the past failures of the nation. And I say failures of the nation because at the end of the day, I keep saying talk to your neighbors because it's so important. You can point fingers at him all you want for whatever happened that you're not happy with. You, You don't agree with... Um, you know, the riot on January 6th and you want to point a finger at Donald Trump, he's not the one that broke a window of the Capitol. You have to look at the individual. That is like blaming a gun instead of the gun owner in a murder. So it really is about every single individual American. It starts at the kitchen table. It starts in the household. It starts with strong parents strong family values, good school systems, you know, so it it really boils down to the basic factors of life. And I think Donald Trump understands that. He understands that it is about families first, America first, safety first, education first. So these are not just meaningless slogans, and they are certainly not racist, like the left says. It truly is about putting the nation first because the nation encompasses all of you. 
the listeners. Hey, I'm still looking for my white privilege. I haven't found it yet, but that's <laughs> what, what can I say? I've worked for everything that I've done. Roma, thanks so much for coming by. I have your number now, so do you know that means I can stalk you? <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> well, your listeners can stalk me too at Roma Durabi on Twitter. And uh, it is phonetic, sounds complicated, but you can find me there. All right. I appreciate you coming by. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Let's get our final break in. And then what if I told you I was going to have a Hawaiian on that's a conservative? Well, stick around. You'll meet him when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. we got 10 minutes uh, till uh, 11 o'clock where you're at to noon where I'm at. As soon as I get off the air, I got to grab a cab and get over to, to the Dirksen building and have and have a dinner, lunch, have lunch with uh, uh, Senator uh, Bozeman. So I'll I'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, if I told you I had a Hawaiian sitting across from me, that was a conservative. You think I was crazy? <laughs> I know you would think I was crazy. However, Chris is here good friend of mine who's been part of the Dave Ellswick show in the past and he said Dave people in Hawaii are just as conservative as we are but they've been forced into the servitude of the Democrat Party is that correct Tim? Yeah I, I believe that's very correct uh, Hawaii's uh, uh, culture is very traditionally conservative family values um, they're tired of being uh, taxed to death uh, people working three jobs to pay their rent, um, and uh, you know they're pro-life, pro-family, uh, really conservative values. But they they have historically for the last 50 years voted Democrat because that's what you do, right? It's become a this is how our family votes, this is how the union now votes. that's the way it was in Arkansas. I've heard that. All yeah. right, it used to be that way in Arkansas, and we finally broke through that idiocy. Yeah, that's why I was really excited that uh, I got to talk to you because. Uh, there in Hawaii, the conservatives uh, look to Arkansas as an example of uh, where we want to go and how we might be able to get there. Yeah, everybody thinks, what do you mean you look to? Let me remind you that the night that DeSantis won that huge victory he won in Florida, all right, 20 points he was a, a victor. Hmm. He, he won in Dade County, of all places. What did Brett Baer say? Brett Baer said... Florida has become as red as Arkansas. Nice. I mean, even Brett Baer rec recognizes what has happened in Arkansas. When I got there, it wasn't that way. It was blue. Right. Hard blue. And it's not anymore. And all it took was to have somebody, in my, this case me, talking on the radio about how crazy the left views are mm -hmm. and how smart the conservative views are. Oh, they used to make fun of me. You saw me the intellectual for North Dakota because I had been living or working in North Dakota uh. before I came down to uh, to Arkansas. But I'm originally from outside Chicago. So let me tell you what I know all about unions. I know my dad was a union guy. He had to be, or he couldn't mm. work. Right, right. Is that the way it is in in uh, in, in a lot of in a lot of industries? Shops. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so you ran. You ran for what? I did. I ran for the United States Senate as a Republican here in the last election cycle. Uh, there were five in the race. Uh, I came in second. I took all the all the islands except Oahu being the most populous island. Right. And uh, Challenger, uh, you know, beat me by 7,000 votes. But uh, uh, what I learned from that 
was that uh, you know Republican candidates, conservative candidates in the state need help because the uh, you know the the Democrats are entrenched. There's a lot of money there, a lot of infrastructure, but there's not for conservatives. So uh, when I didn't uh, win the election, I said, okay, what's next? How can we continue to push the ball downfield for the conservative movement? And uh, myself and my campaign manager, Joel Borquist, uh, kicked off uh, a super PAC called Hawaii Conservatives uh, that uh, we immediately in the general election this last cycle got behind quite a few candidates for our state legislature. And uh, we, we saw our state legislature double uh, from only four Republicans in the legislature doubled to eight. And uh, we were behind, our PAC was behind uh, uh, those four that did get elected. How, how cool is this? When I came to Arkansas, we had four state representatives that were Republican and one state senator. So almost identical to yes, what sir. you're saying yes, right sir. now. That's right. There yep. will come a tipping point. We believe that. You can get to that tipping point. You just got to stay the course. That's right. Yeah, we know it's a long game. It's not going to happen overnight. We just have to keep doing the right things uh, over and over. And, the, you know, the right things are, are recruiting the right candidates, getting behind them. Uh, with the right resources and educating the public on why, you know, you don't want to vote for people that are, are, are anti your values, right? That people are just kind of voting blindly because that's, you know, how they do. But if you talk to the people, your next door neighbor in Hawaii, you find out that um, they have some very conservative views on a lot of things. And, and then they tell you to vote Democrat. And and the question is why? You know, why right. are you doing that? And so we're, we're trying to educate folks and uh, get behind that with Hawaii conservatives. And that's why we're here at, uh, at CPAC trying to spread the message. There are conservatives in Hawaii. We've got a movement going. We need help. So we're here asking for help. Well, you, uh, need to get, you need to get some people here that can be a, some major donors that can help you guys yes, do sir. that. That's exactly what we need because, you know, resources are slim. And uh, so we need donors to get behind uh, the Hawaii conservatives movement and specifically Hawaii conservatives super PAC because um, we're the ones on the ground, boots on the ground doing the work. But we got to have those resources. Okay, so her name ex- escapes me by now, but uh, the 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 Democrat escaped from the Democrat Party, so so to speak. You know what I'm talking about? Hawaiian. Tulsi. Yeah, yeah Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi. Right. Yeah. Is she a real deal or not? You know, I I don't know Tulsi uh, personally, but uh, she's very well respected. Um, in you know in what she's doing and why she's doing, I, I believe that she represents. Uh, where Hawaii is moving, right? She was a Democrat. She was, you know, on board with that platform, and she realized that, you know, this this doesn't reflect my personal values because the the Democrat Party is going the wrong direction. And so the the logical choice for her was to move, you know, to the center and hopefully to the right. And we believe that that there's a lot of people in Hawaii that feel that way. And if they don't feel that way it's probably because they 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 haven't been educated yet on you know they're still voting blindly but i believe she represents a movement in hawaii that we're going to see over the next couple of years more and more people doing following suit with what she's doing how are you uh are the people that are out there in the conservative movement that are the movers and shakers the ben shapiro's and people like that that are out there talking all the time how are they about coming to hawaii besides laying on the beach (laughs) <laughs> and, and teaching people to, to, to say, here's what conservatism is all about. 
You know, we uh, we are excited about some things that are going on there. First of all, we just had uh, Senator Rand Paul out in Hawaii. All right, there and, you go. Uh, yep, uh, Joel, my, uh, my my partner here with the Hawaii Conservatives, met with him. I went to some some dinner with him, and uh, so we're getting some eyes on what's happening in Hawaii. You know, with uh, Senator Paul. Um, and uh, also the Leadership Institute, which I'm sure you're familiar with. They're yeah. here. They're doing training. They've been out to Hawaii last month. Joel and I both went to some training there. Um, and they're, they're, they're looking at, at Hawaii over the next couple of years, committing some resources to come help train uh, our conservative activists. So we're, we're excited about partnering with them, get our people recruited and trained, and out doing the work of conservative activi- activism. So they believe that there's a future for conservatives in Hawaii. They do. They, they've already, we, we have, they've been out to Hawaii a couple of times. We've met with them, and uh, they believe that's where they want to uh, put some, some training resources from Leadership Institute to help help this movement that they see happening. Okay, so uh, I, got, I got about 40 seconds left, all right? Bottom line, the, 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 the roots of the Hawaiian people are the same as the roots of, of uh, Arkansan. They want to take care of their families. Yes. They want to make sure their kids are educated. That's right. They want them to have a better life than they had. Or is that pretty pretty close? You nailed it on the head. That's it. Well, we're all alike, aren't we? That's right. All right. <laughs> Brother, thank you for coming by, Tim. Thank I appreciate you. it. I wish I had more time. Come back tomorrow. I appreciate we'll, that. We'll spend can, some more time and yeah. talk. Cool. Can, can I just uh, throw out my website yeah, real quick? Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, it's hawaiiconservatives.org. You can see what we're doing well, and, uh, and donate to us. That's right. That's easy. Thank you, Dave. All right. Thank you very much. All we right. appreciate God bless you, Tim. You. All right. That's it for the Dave Ellswick Show today. I'll be back at CPAC again tomorrow. We'll get it underway at 7 o'clock. Look forward to talking to you. We got a lot of, we're going to have the conservative chicks on tomorrow. You're not going to want to meet, miss that. that. They've been on before, and everybody goes nuts every time they come on. So they'll be on with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Again, my thanks to Joel Johnson and uh, PI Roofing Home Solutions for making this possible. Talk to you tomorrow, 7 o'clock, right here on 1011. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.